you know, here. What's up? I was thinking about something. What were you thinking about, bro? I was thinking about what's going on in the earth, right? What's happening in our minds? Yeah. Uh, and I wondered, why does it matter? We're about to find out. <laughs> Holy find shit. Out. Ready? Ready. <laughs> Just I'm not ready. Welcome to Earth Mind Matters. <laughs> we said, fuck it. Let's talk about albums. We said, let's talk about some movies. And some fucking comics. This week in the universe. Across the internet. So what's up, Javi? What's going on, Frankie? Here. You know, mm. two <clears throat> things. What's up? One getting kind of tired of our of, of our song that's crazy i was thinking that that shit still slaps i like it so much nah, I'm, fucking with you. <laughs> I'm about to say bro, <laughs> right now the first thing i was gonna say is like damn that shit still hits bro still hits two what's up do you what, want to explain what, what about three uh i'll get to well i i'm uh valve i don't make threes like half-life oh, or portal shout out to all the valve consumers <laughs> oh we got a special guest slime uh, to our right, but what was number two? <laughs> number two, I just want you to explain to the audio listeners why you have your dick out. Oh, um, so I went to the doctor. Okay. And I whooped it out. And he was like, yo, I didn't even ask you to do that. And I was like, I thought you were going to. He was like, I'm not even a doctor. <laughs> right? Oh. It was the janitor. But I was like, what do you think? And he was like, oh, subpar. And I was like, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, but turns out I wasn't even at the doctor's office. Oh, where, I, where were you? I was at, um, what's it called? Petland. Oh, yeah. I, I, I do get... The doctors and Petland confused it's sometimes. Like, it's, it's the same thing. You know, they have uh, just people walking in there, people walking out, just like the doctor's office. Yeah. And so when I put my dick out, they were just like wanders. Everybody started crowding me. And that, that uh-huh. made me a little like, you know, subconscious. So oh. I figured I'd do it now just to see if the effect is the same. Is it the same? So, so like because of how subconscious you got, did yeah. you just, did you shrink inside yourself or did you like it and grow? I grew. I grew. Okay. Because that's my like okay. natural instinct. Okay. Whenever I'm nervous, I get hard. Interesting. You know what I'm trying to Interesting. say? Interesting. Like if I went to the army and I'm about to storm the beach, I'd be hard as fuck. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty much what I went. Like, you want to put it away? I mean, you know, I I'm What's just up? glad that I can't see it. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The table's blocking it. I'm True. I'm at the perfect angle. Fair enough. Fair enough. Because like I don't want to get. Uh, see now I'm getting nervous and now. Oh, I just I got hard. Again. The whole table just lifted up a couple inches on his side. That's so weird. Oh man, I'm telling How you, how the man, fuck did that happen? I'm nervous as fuck. Hold on, make me less nervous. Uh, you're beautiful. Now nah, I'm more. <laughs> Yo, that kittens, that kittens, that kittens. You got, you got to think. Uh, you got to act like the Hulk. Like uh, check your watch. My watch, my peep, my that that movie that sucked. <laughs> With Edward Norton. Yo, by the way, I think uh, I, I made a list. That's a very short list. But uh, it's literally two lists, right? Uh, one of them is my my favorite actor now, and I think because of Nope, it has to be Daniel Kaluuya. Oh, yeah, okay. man, Ka- Kaluuya or Kaluuya. Ka- Kaluuya. I think I know there's probably better actors in a lot of different fields, but I just love seeing him in movies, man. That motherfucker can act, and Nope is so good. Mm. Like you know how, <laughs> how he just so like he's so nonchalant in the film. And uh, yeah, and then I don't know what the other list was, but it had Edward Norton on it. Okay. <laughs> I think just Fight Club, Edward Norton and Brad Pitt did astoundingly you well, know, man. 
I definitely what we need to do at mm-hmm. the end of the year is have a, a top ten list. Oh, definitely. Like, oh, that should we just kind of make it like a special or something so like, like albums, that. movies, and comics. Yeah, let yeah. let's let's look at our top ten albums, movies, and comics. And the last list would be dick jokes. <laughs> right. Yes. All right. <laughs> we'll, nice. we'll just go on for for ten minutes just talking just about dicks. Oh, we can see who can make the best dick joke. You know. I mean, I don't know, man. I've seen a lot of dicks in my time. I believe I, that. <laughs> like, I, I could, I could probably make some good jokes. Just because you've seen a lot of dicks doesn't mean you can make a lot of jokes about them. You know, if like I've seen a lot of fish, that doesn't mean I'm the best. Listen, fish joke teller. Listen, what's up? It's called experience, Frankie. Mm, okay. If I'm looking at dicks all day, mm. my mind is going like <laughs> at a thousand miles. At this rate, you are apparently. <laughs> so. so you know, eventually, you just embody it. Gotcha, I, gotcha. I am a dick. Mm. So you're just a dick. I'm about to put the video as you just a dick. Just let me just stand straight. <laughs> <laughs> and if YouTube allows it, say it less. <laughs> nice. But, but yeah, uh, we're here, man. Yeah, we are back. What are we doing today, Frankie? Now we're talking about what's happening on the earth. Inner minds. And why it matters. This is Earth Mind and Matter. I'm Frankie. I'm Javi. And we're at the show. We do I mentioned earlier, real quick, but our guest Slime right here, <laughs> Jonathan Slime uh E. <laughs> He's sitting to my right, all cozy and stuff, all nonchalant and shit. He loves the name Slime, by the way. He loves it. it. It's really great. He, I was saying, I was like, I don't have to call you that. And he was just like, please, <laughs> please call me Slime. I was like, man, I'm, I'm a man of the people, like we said earlier. So <laughs> Slime just speaked into the YouTube video, and I'll put some Slime over him, too, just to make it more nice. interesting. Like, you just make it Slime coming down from the camera. It's fucking Nickelodeon over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. You know, What's it's up? so crazy, because like- What's up? At this year's Kids' Choice Awards, mm. you watched this kids' year. This year, <laughs> I, I mean, why would I not? Why would I not? What is? I'm sorry. Is that weird? <laughs> At this year's I, X Games, <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. Are you judging me right now? I'm not judging anything, man. Okay. Were, were those the dicks that were part of what you saw from the Nickelodeon well, TV awards? I, the kids I pay dicks? I pay for the Patreon. <laughs> okay. Um, and uh-huh. they they got some behind the scenes dicks going on at the Kids' Choice Awards. It's just in the bathroom. Whenever the urinal, it, like it's so funny because uh, how funny? Uh, <laughs> it, it's pretty funny because right. uh, the host, uh, uh, Kevin Smith, mm. <laughs> he uh, he had to go use a bathroom at some point, so right. he had a POV shot from the uh, from the toilet. So oh. when he sat down to take a shit. He just got he he got slimed right up his ass. <laughs> he got sl- I thought it was gonna come above him. Nah, no, right up his ass. That, it was it was like a bidet. He he deserves it. He deserves it. Kevin Smith, man. Yeah. You ever seen Clerks? Uh, I don't think I have oh, actually. Man, that's a good one. Clerks, Clerks one, Clerks two, and they're coming out with Clerks three. I think this year. Oh, that's yeah, yeah they are. I'm fucking excited, man. Kevin Smith. He says some. Uh, I said this in the podcast a long time ago. You know, now that we are 27 episodes deep. Episode 27. Crazy. Hey yo. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> and he um deep. In this <laughs> shit, yeah, man, fucking. What, what's so special about twenty seven? Um, it's divisible by three. It's divisible by three. Mm-hmm. It's also uh, the mm. year that women are in their prime. Think so? I don't know. <laughs> I know we're fully developed at twenty five for yeah. sure. So wait, women develop later? Are you saying you're sexist? I know. I'm saying. Are you saying I'm, you're against abortion? I'm saying that maybe a woman is at their sexiest at twenty seven. You think so? Damn! Shout out to all the twenty seven year olds then. What about the 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old, eight-year-old? Listen, like, wait, <laughs> what? <laughs> I said 45-year-olds, 46-year-olds, 47-year-olds. That's what I said. Listen, mm. I all I'm saying is that that's mm-hmm. their prime. I'm not mm. saying that, like, they get ugly, like, the next year. It's just, like, but like 27. You, so you're saying 27, they peak, right? Yeah. What goes after peaking? I mean, they're not ugly <laughs> afterwards. They're just less beautiful? 
slightly. I feel bad for your 28-year-old wife <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Kevin Smith said, um, he said, don't surround yourself by why people and always surround yourself by why not people. And I like that. I've always like, you know. Why? <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean like you know you got a fucking idea you, you know people be like why are you gonna do that why are you gonna do that and motherfucker gonna be like why not and you be like yeah <laughs> I think it's a good ideology to live by and you know I'm, what what's up I'm I, I'm gonna spoil something what's up um, it's not really a spoiler mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. originally I kind of wanted to make Nope one of our topics of today's mm-hmm. episode that would have been cool because it's a really good movie and uh, I got to see it over the weekend again me too um, <laughs> I saw it like Two days ago again. Nice. And fucking, by the way, AMC Theaters makes a big difference. <laughs> she's just great. She's, I don't know, she's just, um, I went to go see it in Williamsburg Cinema. I always like going there. But I saw Nope and AMC in Philly, right? At a uh-huh. laser AMC theater because we didn't want to wait for the two o'clock show, the IMAX. Okay. Bruh, when I tell you it makes, I mean, I'm, I know mean, you know, but it makes such an astounding difference, man. It, the, the colors and everything came out. Like I went with Beatrice. I was like, we got to go again to IMAX <laughs> to see it again. Because that, that picture... That, that movie needs that lighting because um, I think Jordan Peele did a great job directing and everything. Yeah. I mean, uh, I never got to look into that Reddit thread that you sent me about oh, okay, like yeah. the theories and stuff because I kind of wanted to just talk about it oh, on yeah. the show. We can still talk about it after three topics. It's our oh. show, Hobby. You know, look, I, it's not Conan O'Brien. Look, I'm just saying. We can talk <laughs> about it now. Oh, yeah, we could. All right. uh, that's <clears> what I'm saying. Like, nice. it's, it's like, a, like a fourth topic. Like, nice, let's man. just fucking do it. A little like, extra. Yeah, like whatever. I, I want to talk about this movie. It was All so right, yeah. <laughs> so let's put the spoilers alerts. No, uh, 3650. All right. <laughs> Spoilers coming ahead. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I mean, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, Jonathan hasn't seen it. Sorry, we're going to spoil the movie for you, Jonathan. Slime. <laughs> he just smirked. <laughs> <laughs> just, ju- just put on earplugs. Yeah, you want to borrow my Galaxy Buds too? <laughs> I got Galaxy Buds today. Yo, bro, the best thing about Galaxy Buds too, fuck AirPods, man. Fuck, <laughs> that's the one time I won't preach for Apple because I connected my shit to the TV yesterday and I was just there. Even this morning, I was just Sopranos, got my earphones in, connected to the TV. I was like, what the fuck have I been doing my whole life? <laughs> just AirPods. You suck. can't do that with AirPods? Maybe with the Apple TV, I think. But no, I've tried multiple times. But I could connect to the TV, my laptop, my phone, which is easy. I don't know if you could connect to the Switch yet, but that would be badass if you could. I mean, I don't <clears> see why you wouldn't. Yeah, I, uh, Jordan has done that with his headphones with the Switch. I think it's fucking awesome, bro. So shout out to Samsung in that area. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Nope is an awesome movie. It's kind of crazy to, to like explain. And uh, yeah, yeah, I mean... Like we we're like we don't have to go down yeah, like, yeah. like play by play just mm-hmm. like because you should go see it yeah, yourself yeah, honestly and um, if you're listening you probably saw it already so fuck it yeah, yeah I mean all I gotta say is like that movie is was just fucking phenomenal mm-hmm. from the beginning to mm-hmm. end I I was just completely entranced yeah. what kind of sucked is that the first time I saw it uh, I walked in just as the movie was starting oh no you so gotta I, get everything so I missed the quote at the beginning oh what was it again did you write it down um, it's like chaos or something like I that I didn't write it down mm-hmm. but I could up. I could easily look it up now that you have the laptop now that I have the yeah. fucking laptop <laughs> but um so how can I say I just think that somebody mentioned, I think it was probably like TV or something where they said Jordan Peele does a great job at concealing the, the plot before the movie's ever released, which is a hard thing to do because people love to spoil shit. But that, that movie definitely requires no knowledge prior. And I definitely thought of it the second time watching it as like a lesser movie. But that's not to take away. That's just to say that nothing can replicate the first viewing of it. Because it's so like, it's not even just like mind boggling. It's just a, such an original story and a fun one too. You know, it really has a lot of things that you would expect to happen, but it wasn't a horror. It wasn't, it, I don't even think it was a thriller. To me, it was a more of a sci-fi. 
Well, I mean, it is a sci. I, yeah. I would consider it a horror. Like okay, I would consider okay. it a horror sci-fi. Okay, okay. Like it can definitely be both. I think thriller sci-fi for me because I think I think it, it mocked horror in the movie with the jump scares that it portrayed, like with the aliens that you thought were at first. I mean, that scene yeah. is still scary. It's kind of scary. It's, it, it's frightening, <laughs> but it's funny too. It's like comedically relieved. It, it, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that, I that, I think that's just something that Jordan Peele does really well, mixing mm-hmm. horror and comedy. Kind of, kind um, of. I, I don't think Get Out really had that comedy factor either. Yeah. I, I I mean, yeah. I don't know, man. When I saw Get Out in theaters, mm-hmm. people were laughing their ass off throughout that movie. I haven't seen it in a while. I thought for me, Get Out was just like a good just watch. And, and I may be saying because actually with no people in the second viewing, people were laughing. It's a fucking guy behind me with the most obnoxious laugh. No no offense to you. <laughs> your laugh is beautiful. Everybody's laugh is beautiful. Ahion, ahion. Pretty much. He was like, <laughs> every time. Every, and even like, you could tell like the fifth time he laughed. It wasn't even because it was funny. He was he wanted to be like, oh, I get it. So when something happened, when um, I, when they found out that the reflection is what you, sh- you shouldn't look up at it, mm-hmm. which is genius. That that is a genius because when you see a UFO, you look up, you know. And and when you can't look up at them, that's just the like I could not it predict. It breaks that. the convention. Yeah, and it, incredible. Yeah. And it was so modern too. So but yeah, when that shit happened, he was like, <laughs> and I was like, what the <laughs> fuck, man? Like, stop <laughs> laughing, bro. Yo, man, the second yeah. time I watch it, you uh-huh. know it sucked. What's fucking uh, the people behind me and Jordan, mm-hmm. so obnoxious. How so? Like, talking and shit? Just this one dude just talking throughout the whole yeah, movie. Man. And like, he was just kicking his feet like, uh, oh, what the like fuck? Uh, against yeah. our chairs at points and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, and he was fucking barefoot too. At some point, oh, he starts fuck? like lay, laying his feet against like one of the other chairs. And we're yeah. like, that guy oh, was raised terribly. <laughs> like, what a dick. And yeah, we man. watched it at like fucking 1030 at night. Who pays $27 to go to a theater to just not watch the movie and be a dick and for two hours. That's why I don't watch my movies at one in the morning like you. <laughs> that never happens though. Like it, it, I can't say that no more though. No, well, I, I mean before this, something yeah. like that has never happened. No, I mean I think that's the flaw with movie theaters today, right? I mean always you're always gonna have that one dick that takes up their phone that like talks too much. Even the the couple to my far left, they were they were chatting and and I don't understand this. I don't know why people at movie theaters like talk all you want. Like I, I'll whisper, but like. Man, why is it the loudest, most bass in their voice people that are always like, yeah, so what happened, bro? Like, And then you hear them, and then the, this girl's with them, so all you heard was, yeah, so what happened? And then it's all you heard for like the first half portion, and then they stop. Um, yeah, man, I also brought a sandwich in there, and it was great. Nice. Always bring a sandwich to that theaters, bro. That shit's fucking a blessing. But uh, uh-huh. the, the quote that the movie opened up with uh-huh. it, it is a biblical quote, Okay, and it says, and I will cast abominable filth upon thee and make thee vile, mm. and will set thee as a spectacle. Mm. and uh so the second time i watched it i definitely caught it but yeah. i mean after the first watch i just googled it because i was like ah i yeah, saw yeah. that it was a cope i couldn't read it what did the google say uh the same thing oh. just <laughs> no. it, what do you mean oh i thought it was like interpretation <laughs> oh no 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 uh i didn't <laughs> like i didn't like look into an mm. interpretation of it because yeah. uh, i i was just trying to build my own interpretation mm-hmm. um and kind of like what i walked away from the movie uh, especially like after reading the quote and after mm. seeing it a second time i think the whole I like theme of the movie, which is like something that Jordan Peele does throughout his movies, yeah. are very thematic. Yeah, I think the theme of this one is uh, turning tragedy into spectacle. Mm, okay, like when you when you read this quote and it's and they say and I will cast abominable filth upon thee, and then it ends and I will set thee as a spectacle. Mm. I think the biggest example of that in the movie is the Gordy scene mm. or the whole Gordy incident. Yeah. Like, Which is what we start the movie off. It's basically the Gordy scene. He basically murders everybody at the at the 
was a TV showing they're doing for like a live audience mm-hmm. and stuff. And the only person that survives is Stephen Ewing's character as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, before you say that, what do you think set off Gordon then? Was it the popping of the balloons or was it we are not to be controlling animals or was it outer, like extraterrestrial? Well, I, I've definitely seen a lot of things about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did watch one review uh, of the movie from uh, this one guy I love on YouTube, Ralph the Movie Maker. He's mm-hmm. also from Queens, hey, so shout, shout out, out to him. Shout out to Ralph the Movie Maker. Um, but uh, Brooklyn better. You know, whatever. <laughs> Brooklyn's a... Uh, eh. Good pizza. But uh, eh. anyways, um, what do you say? He, he also thought... Well, he never brought up anything of like tragedy to spectacle. Mm-hmm. What he sort of interpreted from the movie is uh, the abuse that we put onto animals and things like that. Yeah. Um, especially looking at the horse yeah. uh, scene um, and just kind of almost using the UFO as a, as a metaphor for that where the UFO mm-hmm. is being abused in a way. Um, just mm-hmm. cause like we're trying to get pictures of it and yeah. trying to capture it or whatever. I want to say that's abuse though. I think, cause when you think about like BBC and like that, I forgot the guy's name, but when they go into the wild ethically and without bothering the ecosystem, you know, they capture a lot of things that are educational to us because I mean, I know a lot of people are um, pro like PETA motherfuckers and shit, pro animals and stuff, but I think we also coincide with them. So I think mm-hmm. to co- co- coexist peacefully and, and unbotheringly, I think there's a certain limit that we're allowed because it is our earth as well, you know, yeah. but our sentience definitely takes a big part in how we abuse things. And even just like how we eat animals and the process we put them through before eating. Um, I don't know. I, I think like we didn't really suffer. I think just in nature, there's there's a big word that was thrown around a lot. It's territorial, you know? Yeah. So I think the spectacle that was in the sky, whether it be an alien or this or that was um, territorial as it like it truly was. It just had has like a potential that was so much greater than anything on earth that we've seen and you know being that it's a religious quote it could be that that was also god created just like people and animals and that they all can't be controlled yeah i mean it definitely just uh like i definitely speaks to sort of the animalistic nature of things Mm -hmm. um because there's no real reasoning to why the ufo is like yeah killing or eating like whoever it eats it just kind of does it randomly it's mm-hmm. like a wild animal yeah but, but also it does it when it's looked at right that is that a big thing because well it it i think i think what they say is that when you look at it, it angers it or something mm-hmm. or maybe it targets it yeah but um i mean when we look at the scene when uh steven ewan's ca- character Jude, he doesn't get um, eaten right he but no, initially he, he uh what do you mean so um this is th- i'll say this before anything i think this movie is so great because at the ending, and I said this with like the movie that I want to make and stuff, and this is just a personal philosophy that I have, but I think a good movie, and it depends, it's all like subjective to the movie and to the person. You're but wrong. It, <laughs> but it should leave you wondering why. Like you should leave the theater as a philosopher. Oh, you so wanna, now it's okay to say why? Yeah, always. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now it's okay to say why. <laughs> Fill the seats with why people. Create the movie with why not people. And <laughs> fucking wasn't going to say, just... Everybody has a theory for that movie afterwards. Even as we discussed, there's so much little holes that are unanswered. And I think there will be a sequel, even with the a hundred percent, right? No. No, you don't think so? Nope. No. I think I think uh, Jordan Peele is is going the Christopher Nolan route where he's just making only like like single movies, uh, single contained stories. I say it just because the first scene with the father, who's a great actor, I always Keith forget David. his name. Keith David. He's also in Saints Row. Uh, the voice, right? Four. His voice is so iconic. Keith David, right? Yeah. Uh, just because of the first, like the first couple lines he says, he's like, "Oh man, so this is so good." 
they might make a sequel. Like that's that was one of his lines. So well, I always take that as hints. I've also seen that the movie uh it can also be uh taken as sort of um a criticism of like Hollywood mm-hmm. in certain ways. Yeah, definitely has a capitalistic vibe to it against the nature of it. That's what I saw a lot. Because there is like that whole side plot in the movie of like what are they gonna do with the farm now that their dad is dead and like they can't really run it on their own yeah. or they're uh, it's it's hard for them to make ends meet and uh Jupiter's park is trying to buy their horses. Yeah. There's that whole side plot Mm -hmm. which is kind of hard to really focus on on a first watch but on a second watch it's a little more apparent um so it's like there's definitely a sort of capitalistic thing going on or whatever even even uh there's two things one is steven you steven you's character this is from the reddit uh when he invites kiki uh daniel kalua i forget the names oj and emerald oj and emerald so when he invites oj to come in he says, and this is from the Reddit. This is very specific. These motherfuckers are wild. He says, su casa es mi casa. Yeah. So, you know, you catch off the bed. You're like, oh, shit. So he's saying, your house is my house. He wants to buy all the houses. And um, and another thing on the Reddit, which is cool, at the final scene, OJ is wearing all orange and Emerald's wearing all green. Or a green jacket. Like OJ orange juice, you know? Oh, I didn't, I didn't yeah. even think about that. And apparently on the poster, which I'm not sure, uh, it says everybody on the poster is who's, who gets eaten. Mm, right so Fred is so awesome for explaining all those oh, things yeah. and 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 so when it comes to the, the capitalistic vibe uh for my take on it is that just even when um oj and emerald are trying to get the picture it's for money yeah, yeah it's and, nothing else and for money. i feel like that also speaks again to what mm-hmm. i feel the interpretation of yeah. tragedy into spectacle mm-hmm. because the ufo killed their dad and uh now they're trying to use like this tragedy to make money out of it true and that's turning it into a spectacle do you think the ufo killed him on purpose well it you know what's weird it really feels like the ufo is targeting this family doesn't it or that land that land because they he approaches he not approaches but he comes up to steven ewan and his family i forget his name but uh, Steven Ewan's character? Yeah, what's his name? Jupe. Jupe, right? So but when they were doing the show and they were going to show the crowd and feed Lucky, to the horse, mm-hmm. to the, the UFO, he was saying It's funny that, that you remember the horse's name, but not <laughs> Steven Ewan's name. Shout out to Bro. Lucky, bro. I like that horse. <laughs> Fucking, he, was, he told the crowd, he was like, this UFO has been visiting, it, visiting us for months, about six months ago. He leaves us unbothered. And so I like he again. There's this idea of taming the beast too, like mm-hmm. taming an ape. Uh, I forgot where I saw this. I'm pretty sure it was Joe Rogan and shit. But it was uh, talking about how an ape ripped up. Like there was a certain comedian that worked with an ape, and that he was getting too close. And apes are strong, like oh, gorillas, yeah. orangutans. Oh apes. yeah, like monkeys like, have always scared me. Yeah, man. man. And, and they're too smart, <laughs> too smart, too strong, and just fuck that. Um, <laughs> I've seen Planet of the Apes way too many times. <laughs> fuck that. Eventually, man. And uh, I'll say two things actually. Did you bring that up? But the the first one was that the comedian was getting near the ape and the ape was getting kind of flustered. And then it just started to be a little more like violent, this and that. And it didn't turn to Gordy, you know, but it ended up being just something uncomfortable. And he says, I'll never work with apes again, you know. And the second thing I wanted to say uh, that I heard recently also on that show was that there's a certain jungle that people were visiting. And often when people would visit, the orangutans would either leave or attack the people. Damn. And the reason that um, so one guy went in and he didn't get attacked. So the reason being that it wasn't that he got attacked was because he wasn't carrying a gun. Hmm. So the the monkeys, whichever types, were there and they saw that he didn't have a gun. They didn't see him as a threat. That's fucking crazy when you think about what they can recognize and their memory and what they correlate with violence. Monkeys are smart, man. It's fucking weird, man. The fact that we experiment on them is kind of crazy when you think <laughs> about it. But um, I ain't trying to get burned by no soap. I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, but I, I still think that 
them you're right they are profiting off their father's death ultimately from what killed their father it's like if you're if your mom got eaten by a lion and then you're like oh let's get a picture of a lion and, and you know but yeah. it's also they also did it to save his farm this ranch i mean yeah you know so it's kind of like america just being itself throughout the whole movie it's like <laughs> it's like everybody just being as american as they can be even even with matt tv and and everybody making the tragedy with gordy a spectacle yeah that that's exactly yeah. what i was getting at before and, the, and, the, and, and a I, couple and i think uh the shoe mm-hmm. uh with like the blood stain yeah. is like a physical representation of that because How like so? Like uh, Jupe as a kid saw that shoe mm-hmm. and really focused on it, mm-hmm. and he kept that shoe. Mm. So it's a physical representation of turning that tragedy into a spectacle. Interesting. I mean, all tragedies are spectacle, spect- uh, spectacle, right? I think in the, in a sense that well, we, we, don't you think spectacle is a positive thing? No, I just think that when like even like somebody breaks their leg because they got hit by a monster truck, right? Like you can be like that event was amazing. You add the connotation of negativity or positivity to those things. But I don't think spect- a spectacle is neutral in my eyes because it, an incredible spectacle, this amazing skept- spect- spectacle, you know what I mean? Or, or this disastrous spectacle. It's, it's the adjective before the main thing. Mm-hmm. I think so. I don't really I don't know. I've never I've never done that. And there's been situations where I purposely like, use words like amazing and, and terrible you know, like scenarios. Not to be a dick, kind of to be a dick. But also people are like, what? And it's like, no, the event in itself is an amazing event. Like, like Hiroshima was an amazing event, you know, because it was it was grand. It was incredible, you know, but it, that doesn't mean that it was amazingly positively well done you know it was just i don't know man those, those are some pretty positive words <laughs> so fun i mean it was so good it was um, see it good was great good and great is good positive you know it, it just to me i keep it neutral because that's how english works in a way you know i, I think in a, in a sense you add on the connotations you know like when hitler saw jews being killed like this this is a spectacle now nah, he was like this is great yeah, I mean, it's good to him. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it's subjective. So so it, it, it's all about your interpretation of it, but it's also just a neutral word. And I mean, I'm not an English major. Mm, I know you I, are. I don't know, man. You don't even, so the fact that you don't know, we could just. No, it, it's, <laughs> more, it's more so that I don't just fully agree with you. I feel you. And and it's it's a hard thing for me to push to because I won't say it with my full efforts. I could be wrong in some sense, but in my intentions of the use of the word, I think spectacle, t- spectacle in itself, not amazing and all that. It's just, it, to me, it's, a, it's an interesting phenomenon. You know, like phenomenon even is, is not, there's no positive or. I think phenomenon is more neutral than spectacle personally. Okay. All right. Well, I'm quitting the show. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, and, and fucking, there's so much to talk about. And, and first of all, Daniel Kaloa did great. Steven Yeun did great. But Kiki Palmer also did very, oh, very yeah, well. Oh yeah, she was amazing. And I, and I didn't, I usually don't like that route when they try to make the young hip character and this and that. Like, oh, hey, what's up? You know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but she, she did great. And, um. Just her with the vape pen too and everything. Like I, there was um, I think it was Hereditary. It might, I might be wrong though, but there was one movie that included a vape, and it might have been Midsummer. I always, I, I forget, but they did it so well because they. I mean, it captures the time period too. I think it might have been Midsummer. I don't think it, it might have been Midsummer. But uh, it, I just really enjoy when they put that stuff in there and how they represent it, you know, because it's such a modern movie. When they were discussing aliens with the tech guy, what's his name? Mm, uh. Uh, Angel. Angel. Shout out to Angel, which uh, ABC Angel. Um, when they were talking with him, they His brought His character up, is so funny, yeah, too. it is. It is. And at first, you're like, kind of like, fuck the, the CW. Fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and he brings up the, the declassification of uh, UFOs mm-hmm. and how they change it from UFOs to, UFAs, to UAPs. UAPs. And that's actually happened recently, you know? Yeah, so it's like factual. Yeah. And, and um, I mentioned this before, but like they also, and this is the last podcast, like a long time ago. They use flip phones, 
You know, well, Daniel Kaluuya uses a flip phone at the very least. Kiki Palmer yeah. uses an iPhone. Mm-hmm. So this is like, wait, what time period is this in and this and that? But I mean, I mean that shot of his father with on the on Ghost with the mountains behind Again, them. You remember the horses? <laughs> You're ridiculous. <laughs> at the end, this is one shot right at the beginning where it's just him, D- Keith David, right mm-hmm. on, on Ghost with the mountains behind them. And I don't know so much about the specificities of film, but yeah, like, uh, I mean, it was in California, if that's what you're getting at. Oh, no, just the symmetry, like a symmetrical oh. shot. Like it was just so spit up beautifully. Mm. And it was and they kept the still shot on him. for, And he, he said his voice is so great. But just little things like that, even the close up shot of the water spout coming up and spitting out the water and just the like the, the side shot of the horses in their in their area like just the fact that they're using my, horses with them too my it's favorite so shot was when um, the ufo uh spills all the blood on the house oh that and then the lightning just goes on you like, get it for a glimpse yeah oh that was like, incredible the blood just running yeah. down the windows and the, and the yeah. stairs and everything oh, just the house getting completely drenched yeah and man. the fact that the house stays stained yeah. after that yeah. it's just like man so good so and, it, yeah. yeah right like so, what a spectacle <laughs> <laughs> fucking uh the music is also fantastic mm-hmm. music is so great and jordan Peele loves to slow down music you know i forgot what song it was like dun, 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 dun. <sighs> yeah, it was the, the second song in the tech guy angel when that when um the the sort of like techno song yeah yeah that's a very famous song i just forget but just like in us he slowed down i got five on it mm-hmm. and this one i just think that's a dope little kind of what's what is it like a trademark thing that he kind of puts in music which is not the newest thing in the world but it's like modern kind of style. music yeah and i mean there's just so much to it and so so at the end when um when kiki palmer sees oj from afar right you think he's alive i man i think he's dead right because my own, I want him to be alive, man. I want him to be you, alive you know so bad. You know what's crazy man. before what's we even talk about that? What's up? What's up? Fucking Lucas, like, mm-hmm. when I brought up to him, like, uh, the, the um, and, like, idea of whether he's alive or dead, yeah. he was like, what do you mean he's alive? I'm like, <laughs> why? why? Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and I was like, why do you say you that? Like, you were like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why do you say that? And he was like, because he was right there. What do you mean? I was like, dude. Shout out to Lucas. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I mean, he's not lying. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, I was like, yeah, who just fucking shows up just still as shit in, in, in the, the fog? In the fog. <laughs> Uh, above a sign that yeah. says out yonder uh, yeah man the like, out yonder thing come is, on um, like that shit is supposed to be interpreted as like yeah. open-ended but that's why the beautiful thing is interpretation because yes. you know it, it could be that like so the two things that tell me he's gone which breaks my heart is uh when she looked first and she didn't she seemed like she saw nothing right and then she closes her eyes she like yeah like hopes closes and then she sees him but also when daniel kalua was working on the on the ranch whatever and he looked over and he heard his dad behind him who was deceased already. And he's talking about ghosts and you can't and this and that. Um, he also saw like basically a ghost. You know what I'm trying to say? A false image of his father that wasn't there. You know, so that's why I think those two correlate, you know, exactly. It would make sense for him to be dead. It would make sense. But yeah. why did he have to die though? Like couldn't he have just um, like baited the alien? And then, well, that's what he did. But I'm saying like up until like she could drive away. Then couldn't he just look away? Um, well, I think he was just trying to save her as much yeah. as he could. But I'm um, saying like, um, she also could have pushed the motorcycle a little forward. <laughs> no, I mean, you know it, well, I cause mean? I, I think it's just yeah. a difficult situation where yeah. it's like, she was waiting for him to go yeah. and he was waiting for her to go. Yeah. Um, so it's like, she they, wanted him to come back. 
yeah, yeah like yeah. that's what i mean like yeah, she yeah. wanted him to come to her oh, okay and but he wanted her to just go so i yeah. it was kind of like at a stalemate of mm-hmm. like what's like what are they gonna do i like the scene where she's like you know, uh, on, I, my, on my second watch, yeah. I kind of caught the fact that uh-huh. um, uh, when she's talking about that, uh, I think it was Ghost was supposed to be the first horse. Yeah, that, or, oh, Jean Jacket. Jean Jacket. Yeah. That, uh, Jean that was Jacket a great scene. Too. was supposed to be the first horse that mm-hmm. she trains in that um, when she looked out the window. Um, she saw um, his father and him training yeah, on the horse instead. And OJ, uh, and it cuts yeah. back to that really quick flashback scene of young OJ where he does the yeah. eye thing, like points his fingers to her. Yeah. And so on my second watch, I caught that of like, oh, they're yeah. doing it again i really like and, that the U- i'm sorry what, what did you say? Yeah, and I, oh. I i think it's just so smart because yeah. they named the ufo jean jacket yeah. and on my second watch when oj names it oh jean jacket, like he gets ian by it. like it's his like yeah. she was supposed to get ian and he's like no like, I'm yeah because oh, when, when he names chills. it jean jacket like mm. there's there's a quick shot where she kind of looks at him like that's what we're naming it yeah. almost and it's mm-hmm. like i i think just that interpretation or just adding that layer wow. to it just makes it a lot deeper that's fantastic like, wow. I, I didn't catch that that's that's fucking awesome man hell yeah what the fuck i was gonna say that's so cool man jordan peele what a fucking like and we get to watch him just increasingly become a movie maker you know like he's still very young in terms of cinema you know mm-hmm. but just I mean, bro, even even with us, you know, <laughs> like just all the movies, like they still are just such an originally written films. And uh, I really enjoyed the fact that the UFO wasn't one, that in itself it was the actual creature. Yeah. And uh, even the clouds thing still the whole time. What a smart way to like, you know, make things not as proof, but just as something that's happening. Mm-hmm. And I mean, man, I really wonder. I'm I'm also glad up. that they didn't shy away from showing the UFO throughout the yeah, movie. Yeah, like some movies I, just show you glimpses. To yeah, make, like you know. like the biggest example I could think of is um uh, signs from um uh, uh M Night Shyamalan. Is um, that the one where they're off a cliff and then they're speaking to the? They have to get the trans the the whatever to speak to the alien. Uh no, no. Uh, the, signs is the one with uh, uh Mel Gibson and Joaquin Phoenix oh, and, and they're in a farm and their aliens start contacting Earth and mm-hmm. like uh the whole movie teases you with the aliens mm-hmm. and you don't see an alien until like the first hour of the movie oh. and it's a quick glimpse yeah I don't like a movie I mean it works mm-hmm. like it's a good movie it's just I think I think a uh, it's also an older movie, uh, okay. Signs. So I think uh, the reason why they might have done that is is because of budgetary yeah. reasons. Because the alien does show up at, at the end of the movie and it doesn't hold up well, like yeah, yeah. in terms of CGI I and stuff. Imagine that's the so, shitty thing about CGI back then. So now, like, it's just only gotten so much better. Yeah. You know so I mean? it's like I. I was curious how they were going to portray the UFO in this movie. And they just do not shy yeah. away. Like immediately they are showing it and just yeah. like you're getting quick glimpses of it and just increases as the yeah. film goes on. Literally, like literally at the final shot, final scene of the alien. It's just straight up, you know, like yeah. I see everything. And it didn't make sense, but it didn't have to. Yeah. You know, like you just have to take it as it is because it's his creation. Uh, I was going to say fucking I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. But um, there's one scene that's so particular. But when his um, when his dad falls off the horse after he gets struck by the key mm. through the eye, the cowboy hat comes tumbling towards uh, Daniel Kaluuya, mm. and it's just like wow, like that. That's <laughs> I know that's so specific and short, but it's it's so good. And man, I just I just very much enjoy this movie, and I wish I give my, could give myself amnesia like to watch it again. <laughs> I don't want amnesia, but I wish I could you know watch it for the first time again. Well, I mean, we could always do that a uh, needle <laughs> trick. Uh, like where you take like a long pin and just like almost like drill it to the perfect spot to hit your brain and we <laughs> can right. just hammer it and find the right nerve and everything yeah and just make you forget that one thing 
all right and just that's it. it if it's yeah. to watch Nob again for the first time and we can film it so it can be content too mm-hmm. you okay, know okay. when 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 for jordan peele for us and yeah for the show mm-hmm. yeah man i think it's a good idea when 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 because you know that's just more movie uh more money for the movie theaters when 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 because then like the show's insurance will cover it mm-hmm. so they can reverse it because of modern science mm-hmm. and when 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 <laughs> when when because uh scooge is our cfo so oh yeah we are our new cfo right here so actually, yeah. he'll just run the whole thing we don't yeah, gotta do shit that's true actually man fuck it yeah i think and win 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 uh-huh because just because nice just man. I wanted to say because it. it makes because it makes you happy it makes me happy and that's all it's about that's all nice. what it's about you know? nice so yeah okay so what, no what would you give it as a rating Overall, Oof. I'd give no a nice nine out of ten. Me too. I, that's exactly what I was gonna say. Like the ten, the ten just because like a ten is a great score for like you know I'll never see a movie like this again. But that that movie's so good, so original, well casted, well idea, original idea, and just man, I'm really I'm really happy for Jordan Peele, man. That that's so cool. Just to, it's so inspiring, so cool. Even the credit scene was in orange and white, which is like <laughs> yeah. okay, I'll take that, you yeah. know. Um, like some Frank Ocean Channel Orange type <laughs> shit. That's know? what I thought of too. <laughs> yeah. And he probably knew that. And he probably knew that. And uh, the funny thing with me and Brian finished watching it the first time was Matt Colton there. <laughs> we were like, was it after credits? Is it after credits? We looked it up and the first thing it says, nope. <laughs> and I was like, nice. <laughs> so, yeah, Jordan yeah. asked me that too yeah. when I took him to go see it. And he's like, is there anything after credits? I'm like, mm. boy, what do you think this is? Marvel? <laughs> yeah, you think Thanos fact. is about to pull up at the end? <laughs> Just destroy the fucking <laughs> thing. But yeah, man, I... And the spoilers here. And the spoilers. And we're back. Yeah. If you haven't seen Nope, watch that shit. Check it out. Man, it's just... And watch Louis C.K.'s movie, 4th of July too. That's a good movie, too. <laughs> I'm going to shout that out because that's a good movie. And yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Okay. Let, let's fucking talk some news, my guy. <laughs> nice. So I got I got tree topics for you. Tree. Tree topics. Oh, shit. So I'm going to just uh, go down the headlines for you as I do. All right. First one. Scientists reanimate dead cells in pigs, a potential breakthrough for organ transplants. Oh, shit. I've heard about this. So we're going to talk about that. Second news topic that I got for you. Atlanta's Music Midtown Festival canceled after court ruling made it illegal to keep guns out of event. Oh, wow. So because mm-hmm. we had a conversation on this show where you mentioned something of like, do you think they'll ever cancel live events because in of fear guns. of things happening? Yeah. And it happened. Yep. So we're going to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And then the last topic is going to be a little more fun. And it's a little relatable to our AMC section later. Oh, shit. But the headline reads, in the late 70s, teen punks ruled New York. These are their stories. Oh, nice. Okay. So it's a little insight thing. All right. All right. Yeah. So that's going to be fun to go through. It'll be all right. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Why why you got to do that? My bad. Why you got to do that, man? I set the tone. It's only because from down, you can only go uphill from there. What a spectacle. Yeah, exactly. It's like if I was 25-year-old, we're about to get to 28 years old. You get me? But, I mean, I wish you were 27 because you'd look better. Oh, fuck. I, th- I forgot that it was 27. <laughs> 27. 27. <laughs> I speak. I speak. I gotta, I gotta, it, it's, it's just fact, man. I got to buy my best outfits for when I was 27. Nice. You know what I mean? Got to start, like, working out. Get ready when you're 26. Do my eyelashes. <laughs> <laughs> Wear heels and shit. <laughs> Time to change. Yo, I, I could see you uh, drag queening it up. You already know. Every Thursday, I already do. At the nice. at the fucking in the Bronx. Nice. Yeah, man. Catch me, catch me there. 7 p.m. On the corner. Oh, not on the corner. In, oh. the, in the middle of the street. I'm, ah. I'm no whore. Oh. I'm no whore, Javi. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk some fucking news. 
Gotcha, my guy. Mm-hmm. So again, first topic. It's a little sciencey, mm-hmm. but it's it's pretty interesting. The pig um, shit, right? Yes. No, I've heard I've heard many a story headline at the very least with pigs, transplants, and all that stuff. So now finally get to get some insight. Yeah. So again, I'll read the headline. Scientists reanimate dead cells in pigs, and it's a potential breakthrough for organ transplants. Oh shit. So uh this happened just uh yesterday. Uh this broke out. Mm-hmm. And it they're saying new research is confounding conventional wisdom about life and death. Researchers at Yale uh, restored the cells in some organs of pigs that had just died, bringing the animal cells back to function. And uh, again, like I said, this was published uh, just yesterday in the mm-hmm. scientific journal called Nature. Did it bring the pigs back to life or just the function of the organs? That the, of just the-, the function of the organs. Gotcha. Um, and uh, here, uh, so they say this raises profound ethical questions about how medicine defines death, but also mm-hmm. teaches new possibilities for the collection of human organs for transplant. Yeah. And here's a quote goes, my eyes went wide. The brain went to all the crazy places we could go in 20 or 30 years. And this was said by Brendan Parent, an assistant professor at bioethics at the NYU Grossman School of Medicine. Chill out, Brendan Parent. <laughs> I hope he's a good parent. I hope oh, I think last name is Parent. Yeah. Probably a trash ass parent. Probably a trash ass parent. If he talks like that, probably a trash ass parent. <laughs> it's not that crazy. We study rats all the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we do crazy to rats, to gorillas, a pig. Come on. We eat pigs. <laughs> this is bringing them almost back to life though. Fuck it. <laughs> Fuck it. I don't see what the wrong with that. It's like Conan Sheep. Why do we not allow that? So so we'll get we'll get to the ethical sides Ooh, of it. Okay, um okay. So Brandon Parent was not involved in the study, uh, but he was asked by Nature, the journal. Um, <laughs> I thought uh, he might be by Nature. Just like <laughs> he, he put his ear to the grass and he was like, what do you have to say? Yes. <laughs> okay, Nature. And oh, here's. <laughs> just <the laughs> he, uh, yeah, he, he was asked by Nature to write a commentary. So throughout the article, he just, there are going to be some quotes from him. Okay. Uh, so this re- research is obviously still very in an early experimental phase mm-hmm. and it's many years from potential use in humans. Um, this could ultimately help to extend the lives of people whose hearts have stopped beating or who have suffered a stroke. Mm-hmm. It also shows potential to dramatically uh, shift how organs are collected for transplant and increase their availability to patients in need. So it, it gets it gets pretty interesting of like how useful and, and handy it is yeah. to have something like this. And it makes, uh, I'll get to it in a second, but it makes me think of this one episode of Young Justice. Do you know mm. what Young Justice is? No. It's is it a, Young Justice League? Uh, kind of. Yeah. All right. It, it's like, it, it's a DC animated series where all the sidekicks mm-hmm. make their own team. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. All right. Um, so it's like subpar Justice League. Yeah, but they're <laughs> fucking dope. I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> um, but... The article gets into some uh, scienti- like scientific things and whatever, sort of explaining what death means in a scientific term. But okay. it, they say when the heart stops beating, blood flow is cut off from the body in a process called ischemia and a cascade of biochemical effects begins. Oxygen and nutrients are cut off from tissues. Cells begin to die. Yeah. And it's a path toward death that causes damage that scientists have considered irreversible. But now the new research challenges that idea. Zombies. I'm thinking of zombies now. Yeah. So you can you can kind <laughs> yeah. of guess where like the ethical like yeah. questions kind of come up in terms of mm-hmm. that because that's the first thing I thought of. I was yeah. like zombie pig. Yeah. <laughs> 
the shooter anyway. <laughs> it's like, damn, you have no power over me. <laughs> I'd still eat that. You think I'd still so? eat that bacon. Mm. Ah, you're right. It tastes probably better. <laughs> it's like aged. It, it, it's aged. It's been, uh, it's been, uh, it's seen God. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> yeah I was going to say, it's like philosophical. That. It's like, you eat this, you're like, hmm. <laughs> you just put your hand on your chin. You're like, I'm thinking. <laughs> Damn, Muslims can't have it though. <laughs> Damn, <laughs> that sucks for you, Muslim. <laughs> Damn, it's what you gotta do. <laughs> yeah, do what you gotta do. Okay, we'll be thinking on this side. Us <laughs> uh, Christians, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. My name's Christian. My name's Muslim. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I got another quote for you. All right. The demise of cells can be halted. We restored some function, functions of cells. Function. <laughs> some functions of cells across multiple organs that should have been dead. This was said by Dr. Nanad Sestin, a professor of neuroscience at the Yale School of Medicine and an author of the new research. Okay. And this was said during a news conference. Mm-hmm. So the Yale researchers they accomplished this feat by constructing a system of pumps, sensors, and tubing that connects to the pig's arteries. Mm-hmm. It also they also developed a formula with thirteen medical drugs that can be mixed with blood and then pumped into the animal's uh, cardiovascular systems. Okay, which just seems so gross to yeah. think about. Just like a like, bunch of things being put into this pig, like like just what is not non, unnatural but like artificial. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, it's still a pig though. Like yeah. respectfully, <laughs> respectfully. Fuck that pig. <laughs> <laughs> but science, <laughs> that pig's like ah. <laughs> uh-huh. But uh. The research builds on previous work at Yale, mm. and that previous work demonstrated that some damage to brain cells could be reversible after blood flow was cut off. Yeah, that makes sense. So uh, Yale filed a patent for the new technology, but it is also making its methods and protocols freely available for academic or nonprofit use. So yeah. it's not just going to be exclusive, which is yeah. good, because if this is as big of a breakthrough mm. as it is, everyone should have a hand at it. Yeah, but I also think that it'll be... Well, not free, practically, whatever. Like, what would you say it was? What's the specific word? Uh, um, it's going to be under patent from Yale. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think later on, like, people will just continue to do it and just the richer will always benefit, you know? Just, that the, the which world? The richer. Richer people will always oh. benefit from this regardless. I mean, you know? I, that's usually how it begins yeah. with, with most of these, like, advancements and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, like... They they say that this stuff is isn't going to be used in, uh, with humans for years, mm. but when it does, I'm sure like rich people and things like that are definitely yeah. going to be first in line to sort of reap these benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Target. capitalism. <laughs> nope, society, <laughs> society, man. <laughs> But uh, uh-huh. to evaluate how well the new system called Organ X works, the mm. researchers caused heart attacks in pigs that had been <laughs> anesthe- anesthesized. This fucking boo! <laughs> <laughs> the science. <laughs> they they using anesthesia. Anesthesia. They they cause heart attacks. No, they they gave them heart attacks while they were anesthesi- anesthesized. <laughs> okay, okay, and anesthetized. Necessize. Gotcha, Such bro. a hard word, man. Yeah, it is. Just like some specificities. <laughs> I don't even know what you said. Specificities. Specificities. Yeah. Nice. And, yeah. Anesthetize, <laughs> specificities, uh, euphoria. That's not that. Nah. <laughs> All right, can we? So the pigs, uh, the pigs <laughs> were dead for an hour. And the researchers cooled their bodies and used neural inhibitors to ensure the animals did not regain consciousness during mm-hmm. subsequent experiments. And uh, which is pretty crazy, um, but the researchers began to use the organ X system. Uh, well, at 
once they got to this stage mm -hmm. and they compared its performance against ECMO, which is a life support technology used in hospitals today in which a medicine oxygenates blood and circulates it throughout the body. So while the patient is on there. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, and so Organ X restored circulation and prompted the repair of damaged cells. So while ECMO is just kind of oxygenates blood in your system, mm. Organ X is just straight up reviving dead organs. Gotcha. Uh, so it they say, uh, I, I have it in a sec, um, but they repair, nah, not repair, they um, reference Organ X as like ECMO on steroids, okay. which is really interesting. Um. But, uh, for example, the scientists saw heart cells contract and electrical activity return. Other organs, including kidneys, uh, also showed improvements. And uh, the pigs treated with organ X startled researchers. This is the crazy part. During experimentation, the, de the dead pigs' heads and uh, necks moved under their own power. As they were under the procedure of organ X and everything, right? Yes. That's pretty crazy. Like, That's pretty crazy. They, they have a quote where they say, We can say that the animals were not conscious during these moments and we don't have uh, and we mm -hmm. don't have enough information to speculate why they moved. Mm -hmm. That was said by Dr. Seston again. So mm -hmm. imagine that you're fucking like, you have all these tubes and shit. This pig is, is, and, and it says, uh, blah, blah, blah. The, pig, the pig just flips you off. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you essentially have a dead pig at yeah. your table on some Frankenstein uh -huh. shit. It just starts wagging its head and its neck around. Yeah. Like it, it is crazy. But then you think about those sea creatures that like, people in Japan, even us here. But when you even put like uh, like snail, not snail, I forget which animals they have tentacles and like octopus and stuff mm -hmm. like that, or even toad heads. That when you put salt on them, they tend to, uh, f f uh, frog legs. Oh yeah, yeah, they tend to like move because they react to the salt. The nerves react to the salt, even if they're dead. So I know it's not the same at all, but it's one of those things where it maybe could be. But it is still pretty crazy if you're on the fucking operating table, like you start believing God and shit. You're <laughs> like, oh my god. Um, but it, it's crazy. I just, I, my biggest wonder is like, when is, I know it's just, you said for years, but how will this be advantageous to humans later on? You so, know? yeah, uh, like, I'll get to that in a sec of, okay. of, of how it'll be really beneficial for us okay. and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, I mean, it mostly deals with like organ transplants. Like that's, what's going to like make it the most beneficial thing. <laughs> <laughs> I know somebody who got the heart uh, transplant from a pig. He died recently. Yes. Yeah. I saw that. Mm -hmm. But, um, where was I? So uh, still here. You're still here on Earth. Physically, yeah. <laughs> and what else? Spiritually, I don't know. Ah, uh, you you uh, missed a joke. What I, want, I want I wanted you to do the 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 title of my off. Oh, <laughs> God damn. <laughs> we'll do it later. We'll sneak it in there later. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> so researchers do view the neck jerk as an indication that some muscle function was restored after death. Hmm. So. Originally, they thought that this was only going to revive organs, but it seems like it might also revive oh, muscle functions, which is why it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, another quote, the assumption that loss of oxygen to the brain or organs within seconds to minutes means those organs are irretrievably damaged and less. That's not true. And that is said by Nita Farinay, a, neuro a neuroethicist uh, and law professor at Duke University, mm -hmm. who is also not involved in the study. Okay. Um, the They say... I really like this from the article. They say the definition of death is a moving target that has shifted as new life support technology like ventilators or ECMO were de uh, developed. Say that again. Say that again. The definition of death is a moving target that has shifted as new life support technology like ventilators or oh. ECMO were developed. All right. That's dope. Oh. Um, but uh, ethicists view organ X as ECMO and steroids, like I said before, and something that could change the definition of what medical death means. Mm. They say death is a process. 
Technology has, at several critical moments in the course of the last several decades, shifted the goalposts for when that process begins and when we can say that process of death has ended. Yeah. All the iterations of machines that can sustain or restart uh, lung function and or heart function have changed our perception, our experience of when we can say it's worth trying to save someone's life. Mm. And that was said by Brendan Perrin again, the NYU bioethicist. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to get really trippy about it, like as soon as you're born, you start dying. You know, I know that's like trippy, like, oh, you know, but I know. What you else, Jaden Smith? <laughs> Yo, can we just talk about the socioeconomic, uh, whatever the world right now? Nobody says that, Jaden Smith. <laughs> Nobody ever says that. Nobody's bowling and they're like, can we just talk about the environment right now? <laughs> what, kind, what kind of lame shit? That, that's why your father slapped Chris Rock because y'all just bugging all out. <laughs> that whole family, except Willow. <laughs> she seems cool. She, yeah, she yeah. seems cool. Pretty, James pretty Smith okay. is fucking get me tight that motherfucker <laughs> I'm gonna interrupt you at any point I'm gonna just say some shit like that can we just talk about fractions right now <laughs> god <laughs> why are we talking about what's in the earth and the minds of why it matters <laughs> hey <laughs> well we can talk about homeless people man box water I hate Jaden Smith <laughs> that's really funny I didn't know that you hated him I hate oh, it. I hate him because of that bro nobody no normal person does that if this pig saving lives I'll give it to him but just <laughs> so right. the Yale researchers they don't foresee the use of organ X to treat people anytime soon like mm. I had mentioned um, they say before you hook this up to a person to try to undo whole body ischemic damage in a human being you need to do a lot more work not that it couldn't be done, but that's going to be a long ways away. Mm. There's a great deal more experimentation that would be required. Now, as said by Stephen Latham, a director of the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics. Okay. So, again, they're just repeating, like, it's not ready yet. Yeah. Like, they're still in experimental phase and things like that. Uh there, and uh, the same guy, uh, Stephen Latham, continues to say, you'd have to think about what is the state to which a human being would be restored. If they have been seriously damaged by the ischemia and you gave them kind of a perfect state that reversed some, some, but not all of that damage, that could be a terrible thing, right? Mm. So kind of saying, imagine if you only were able to fix one organ. But the rest still, of everything is and, just fucked up stuff. Yeah. Mm. It's like, is that good or bad to uh, do that i think if you're an organ donor it's a beautiful thing because then you can transplant that organ well the, i think this is being said more in the context of, of saving like, a life of saving I, a life. Saying, I think you should have signed something that says hey we're going to try this out and if it works for you to continue living there's a consequence of dying but we can still donate your organs and i think at that point you make a decision oh i know? mean that already happens yeah. like when you're kind of true, on on, true. on that edge like yeah. they they will say like hey man can we use your organs <laughs> i know you're dying and shit but hey, you trying hey, to man, help you got, a, you got any <laughs> organs on you man can you die any quicker <laughs> uh no i mean first of all the organ transplant thing is a very serious issue like my, i have a cousin who went through that and everything and it's the scariest thing ever you know and and uh, it's sad. I mean, I know like uh, it's a whole controversy within it, and people are on waiting lists. You know, and there's levels to that shit too. You mm-hmm. know, uh, but I I do think that like if it it should be one of those things, which I know is kind of like fucked up. But those who probably don't have insurance or this and that, I know this is sound all fucked up. I don't really mean this because I don't know the specificities <laughs> of this all thing. But if you need the the surgery or you want to you know be somebody to be experimented on, and you have kidney failure and they're trying to repair the kidney, but there's a consequence of dying. I mean, it should just be full circle. I think that the thing about science is that it's not, again, just like I thought spectacle wasn't negative or positive. I think science doesn't have to be that either. Um, Peter's probably like shit in their pants right now. Like, <laughs> no, like, no, that pig. And, you know, Peter could do whatever you want. But I also think that we should get as much 
pros from this and just the cons should be, you know, whatever the cons are, as long as they're, um, you know, being communicated to the patient and all that stuff. Um, I, I know, mean, I know that's very broad. That's all that's broad. Well, I mean, I, I think what you're getting at is just, um, it's, this is, that's just what science is. Yeah, you kind of yeah. have to like take the good with the bad yeah. and, um, mm -hmm. you know, there, I, it seems like there's more good than bad coming out For of sure. this. Um, Except for the pig. <laughs> that's why I said more good than bad. Facts. But, um, uh, yeah, I, uh, so to, to get more into the organ transplants, uh -huh. um, instead researchers see more immediate avenues for real world use for the research. Currently, transplant surgeons must scramble to stay ahead of ischemia and prevent organs from going too long without blood supply. And Organ X could help transplant organs move longer distances and reach people who would otherwise be out of range for a transplant. And uh, it could also prevent organs from being lost to systemic damage, potentially expanding organ supply. Okay. And uh, when I read that, it made me think of this episode of Young Justice where uh, mm -hmm. Wally West, uh, Kid Flash, um, there, there's a day where the Justice League needs like the team to deal with these like shit, like shit that's going on around around the planet. They're, they're, sheds. <laughs> uh -huh. they're like they they send like one team to this place, another team to this place, another team to this place, and Wally's like, okay, what am I gonna do? Like, what's my what's yeah. my thing? And Batman tells him like, we need you to deliver like this heart to this girl that needs a, a transplant right oh, now. Oh, what the fuck? That's kind of cool actually. And Wally was like, what? That's so lame. <laughs> like I the little girl's like, please, can you <laughs> do it though? <laughs> and I don't remember if the girl was like of any importance in terms of like if she was like a political figure or anything like that. Mm. Um, was she Jonathan? Scotland. <laughs> Israel, Israel. She was a queen of something or whatever. <laughs> but um, she was queen slime. <laughs> 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 but um, yeah, so the whole episode is literally Wally just running as fast as he can across the That's country awesome, to though. get this heart to this girl. Yeah, and I I thought of that episode immediately when I read this. Mm. Uh, it's like if this is a technology that could make things like that yeah. more realistic then yeah this seems yeah. like this is a, a better thing to do it definitely is and it just i mean not for nothing like i know it's wordy and sciencey and stuff but that's interesting as fuck man because i mean i mean think about it, that's just one little spec sector of science but science is a huge you know area that we all kind of ignore until we kind of need it you know it's like surgery ear airpods and then just <laughs> keep on going yeah but we use science every day not to get preachy but we use the train our cars you know like just the lights that turn on even these microphones and the internet i mean i mean it's crazy how much we rely on that shit too so Medical advancements are always a W for just life, yeah. you know, and that sounds awesome. Yeah, I, I, um, and to get into more of the ethical stuff, yeah. uh, <laughs> the new technology's potential opens new and compelling medical ethics questions. Ethicists uh, have been debating whether it's appropriate to use technology like ECMO to preserve organs in patients who are declared dead under cardiorespiratory uh, criteria. Mm -hmm. And what they mean by that, there's a uh, Brendan Parent says, if we decide someone is dead because their heart is stopped, but we use a technology to restart their heart, even for organ preservation, does that undermine the determination of death? Yeah, it does. I mean, I think so. Just because it's undeclared. I mean, it's unofficially that if there's a chance of, uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm not also an ethicist or a scientist, but if it becomes a frequent phenomena, I guess, right, <laughs> for that to happen, then it's no longer a phenomena. It's a you know probability aspect, right? Like, this is is it going to happen to you or you? And it's happened to a lot of people. People's heart stops. People's heart stops, and they're declared dead, and they come back to life. Some lying. They see. They see Jesus. <laughs> there's a lady. I forgot who it was at the Las Vegas shooting. 
uh, the mom that got shot, she told her kids, it's so sad. She told the kids to like, you have to go now because if you guys don't leave here, like you're also going to die. And I don't want you guys to die with me. And so like, so there's a, a policeman who helped the mom. So the kids scattered. But when she went on the news and she said that as she was laying on the floor, like shot and bleeding out, that she saw her body levitate. You know, Damn. and and you know, like I'm not, I'm not knocking that down. Like you know, you believe in Jesus, you do you. You believe in Allah, you do you. But I also think um, when you die, DMT gets released in your head, right, or in your brain, right, or some shit like that. Do you know about that? Uh, I don't know. So the, they say when you die, there's DMT that gets released in your brain. You experience this whole thing. They, they kind of like the idea of life flashing before your eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to get my facts right about that, but I'm pretty sure I'm correct about that. So whether it's hallucination, whether it's just that, you know, I don't know. But if your heart stops and then you know, you're able to come back to life. If it's unfrequently, ha- if it's frequently happening, I mean, the opposite of that, if you're able to come back to life, then I don't know. Um, we should ask ethicists if spectacle is good or bad. <laughs> That's my first thought when you said that. But um, I don't know. I mean, things change. Like science is going to change. People with polio died and then we cured polio and people with wheelchairs couldn't walk again and now we can make them walk again all through science and stuff. So there's a lot of declaration that's always going to be submitted to change, you know? I, I mean, what the article mm-hmm. also brings up is that, I mean, this just kind of changes the whole medical term of death. Yeah. yeah. Like, because again, like what Brandon Parent is saying, if you die of a heart attack, but you can still revive that heart to get to someone else, mm-hmm. like, at that point, why couldn't you just revive the person? Ah, uh, okay. There so we go. I, I, I think that's more of the idea of it. Of like, technically, this person is dead, but none of the, but all their organs are still working. Yeah, and we're just gonna get them to someone else. Oh man, that is a good so idea. It, huh? it's kind of like, is that ethical to basically let a person die just mm-hmm. so that you can give all their organs away? I think it's all up to the person too. It's all up to the person. Say they're like. A certain age and they don't want to live no more and this and that. I mean, not everybody wants to, of course, but it all up to the person, you know. I guess if you're given circumstances where, like, hey, like we know this might be a risk of you dying, but instead of saving you, like we can save this, you know, 13 year old that could really benefit from you know getting your heart and stuff. And you only have a like, even if you were to survive, your lifespan is only about three months short, bro. You're not gonna make it. You want, <laughs> yeah. you, you want to save a life, though. That's what I'm saying. And you can play how to save a life. You can play that in the background. You could, you know, I don't know, get a stripper in there for you for three months and stuff like that. I don't know. I think, I think ultimately th- that life and death. I mean, it's all it's all about how much you want to prolong it too. Like if you want to be selfish and prolong it, and not, I think selfish is a bad word. If you just want to prolong it because you can. They should give you that decision. Like it shouldn't be up to the doctors. It should be up to the patient. You know. But yeah, I I mean. I'll I'll say yeah. that I've always uh I I don't like the idea of living forever. People that want to live forever, I'm yeah. like, why? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, you're right. Why I, would you want to do? I that? I think the closer you get to death, though, you might want to, though. You know. I mean, like, if you're in pain. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, well, yeah, living forever. I would never look towards that because it's impossible. You get me? Like, it's impossible. That, that's why it's like saying like. I would never. What was it? What'd you say? You would, you don't look forward. I would not want to fly as a human being. Like we're probably not going to fly as human beings. If we are, maybe down Did the I line. Did I say that? No, no. Would you say like you wouldn't want to live forever? Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. want to live forever. It's like I wouldn't want to fly. Like that's such a hypothetical. You know, like it's not even the realm of possibilities. So I mean, I mean, I, hey man, maybe one day dying is probably scary as fuck though. You know? Maybe one day with this shit, we just we, live forever. We're, we're not gonna die anymore. I mean, I think in the future humans won't die. For, at least the the extension of life will be so much more. Like it'll probably be like five hundred or this or that. That'll kind of so suck, gross. though. Yeah, that'll <laughs> suck. <laughs> that'll change the world. But I think 
probably also in the future. Man, <laughs> you hundred year olds and your and your young music, your rock and roll and devil shit. <laughs> you thousand year old bitch. You know, people, I mean, rich people are gonna take over the world, and that's for sure. But I think we'll be cyborgs in the future, like that. I think for sure, absolutely. There's no way flesh and skin is gonna prevail that long. But I mean, never say never, right? Man. Never say never. <laughs> All right, Justin Bieber. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> Got the reference. Oh, oh you didn't think I would have gotten <laughs> yeah, it? Not really, to be honest with you. Wow. <laughs> I don't know you're such a beef head. I, I, I was there at his tour, actually. Yeah? Yeah. No way. I um pictures? Yeah, pictures. I, I was at uh his tour uh at Atlanta Music Midtown Festival. Oh man, I forgot you went to that actually. Yeah. 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 Oh, did you meet him? Uh I didn't meet him. Yeah. Uh he doesn't talk to brown people. Oh shit. That sucks. Yeah. That's a lot of people don't know that. He's the brown people? Yeah, he doesn't talk to brown people. It's crazy, man. I know. You know you know what actually? <laughs> I don't know. You know what, actually? I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I was like, I'm just let that be. Fucking <laughs> uh, um uh. I when I used to work at, at Waffles, okay. They had a location on the west side at one of the piers. Mm. And uh half of it was like the waffle spot, and then the other half was like a bar. Okay. And uh a trucks of, though? No, it wasn't a truck, it was like a brick and mortar oh. location. <laughs> okay, okay. Oh. Um and at the bar uh one day Justin Bieber showed up and started serving people. Nice. I <laughs> said the brown people. Except the brown people. <laughs> yeah, he, he was like, I declined like, to serve you. Yeah, so no. it I I've been I, I was like this close to Justin Bieber, yeah. I guess. This, this uh well actually uh, you know like the the Dylan and Cole Sprouse, the Zach and Cody guys and everything. Mm-hmm. So there was one time I was at a bar in, in Brooklyn at the Levy or L E V E E. And he was there. One of them were there. Nice. And I was like, oh, shit, look, it's him. And then some bar we go to in, in the city called Crush, right? Where they have, like, beer punk tables where oh, a friend... you guys took Oh, yeah, there. we went there. <laughs> it's like LIC. I always forget. Okay, <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm sorry. Um, he went there, too. He Apparently, he was there, like, just drinking with them. Nice. I guess he's just a human being. <laughs> <laughs> weird. <laughs> Fucking so weird. <laughs> so... Let, let me let me finish off this article for nah, you. Nah, bro. <laughs> <laughs> me and Slime say no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, like I like I had said before, parent uh, brought up those um, ethical questions and whatever. Yeah. And the articles continues to say there is no regulation for how long doctors must wait to determine death before restarting technology like ECMO to preserve organs for transplant. And uh, what's funny about that is um, just today I saw the New York Times covered this and I was kind of like skimming through what they had to say about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had a couple more quotes where um, now because of this technology, they're going to have to actually change the the time that doctors have to wait until they determine that someone is dead. So like 1 p.m. Declare it. Yeah, like that type of shit. Like they I think they I think at the moment it's four minutes Mm -hmm. that you have to wait like until you declare them dead. I don't know that. So uh, now with this, that's going to have to change because technically, like, you could maybe they don't have to die. Yeah. So. So after they do the clear, you know, that stuff and everything, and they shock them and everything. Yeah. After that. Apparently, if you touch somebody while they're being whatever, like the whole like electrical, you know, they'll get, clear, shocked, they'll get shocked too. I yeah. saw a video of that I was like, ha, <laughs> that's <laughs> funny. Like, why would you touch them? Nah, it was because their friend was in pain and stuff and everything. I mean, they're probably dying, to be fair. <laughs> to be fair. So I take like the ha, but that's crazy. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> it just all, you know, made sense to me just now. <laughs> so, uh, last thing I pretty much got for you is that. Uh, What's up? 
It's yeah, all my last note says it's also possible organ X could change the threshold of when it's ethical for doctors to let a patient die and yeah. preserve their organs for donation. Nice. And that's my last note. That was pretty, that was an interesting story, to be honest, because I know that's only like a starter up of what's to come later on. You know, that's definitely going to be something that, you know, we, we're talking about it now. But, you know, way, way like ahead. Three decades from now, this yeah. is going to be like fucking minuscule. <laughs> like they're going to it's going to be way past this. Yeah. So. They're going to be doing our camels. <laughs> <laughs> Don't kill the camels, man. Yo, we saw a camel get chopped up. <laughs> Don't kill the that camels, shit, you, man. You ever seen the video? There was a guy cooking a camel. He was dead. So he, I forgot. I think, I think it's called wilderness cooking. Right. And he starts the video by petting the animal he's about to eat. Not like it's on some fucked up shit. And then he just peacefully like cuts up a camel. <laughs> bro. It's crazy. <laughs> Put it, we'll put it here. A camel. I've never seen a camel skin before. YouTube, YouTube. We'll do this cooking, if I'm not mistaken. I'll correct it if I'm wrong. But, bro, I've never seen, He does that with, like, a, a bull's head, a camel, like, a sheep. That He'll, like, hug the sheep and caress it and just chop and then feed it to his kids. Oh, <laughs> but it's so peaceful. It's so... When he makes... He also makes, like, tarts, you know, like, little lemon bars and shit like that, too. But he's a beast. It's, it's great. You, if you if you're feeling down and about, listen, watch that shit. <laughs> Maybe not the camel one though. And you know, he also cooks cats. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Don't kill camels, man. Don't kill camels. Don't kill cats. Yeah. Don't smoke camels. What you? What, yeah. Any thoughts on the on the pig shit? Oh, I was gonna ask, come through. You know, as a viewer would ask, um, is it related to like the pig thing, the pig heart thing that he was talking about? It's or not related to so, that. Like none of those studies intertwine with that. No, no. It's just like. They completely were able to just do this with pigs, and I, I don't know why they chose pigs. Um, isn't the pig heart? There? Is a, you think the pig, you want to Google it? Actually, want to Google if pig hearts resemble humans? Just so you could get a little taste of how I feel like when I have my laptop. <laughs> <laughs> the surgery? No, he got a pig heart. The surgery guy got the pig heart. Yeah, that's like the first thing that comes up on Google. Pig hearts are inanimate. Ana- anatomically and functionally similar to human hearts, but obviously not identical. So I guess when people say men are pigs, they're not lying. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I, like, I guess it also means the same thing for cops. Oh yeah, because they have pig hearts. Mm-hmm. Mm, my friend's a cop. I'm I'm sorry, man. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's what you got to do. Shout out to you, bro. <laughs> probably shooting he, uh, he knew he knew what he signed up for <laughs> yeah you're right you're right <laughs> he knew what he signed they up do that for. in the training they're like by the way they're gonna call you pigs and somebody's like i'm out <laughs> i don't want <laughs> that one guy's like what <laughs> no way <laughs> no i i have a phobia of pigs i can't be called a pig <laughs> what do you think would be worse to have a phobia for a phobia uh people with blonde hair or doors doors Think so? Yeah, you'd be scared to go anywhere. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, oh funny. no, I can't look at blonde people. Like, I like what the fuck? You answered quick. <laughs> you answered quickly, but that made perfect sense. I'm, I, I can't combat that. <laughs> what was that dumbass question that everybody talked about? How many more of there are wheels or oh, doors? Wheels or doors? Yeah. What do you say, world? What do you say, Javi? I, I, I forget what I said. It's doors. It's doors. Yeah. I said wheels. I don't even remember. I might have said wheels, but I'm switching it to doors. (laughs) My question. In my head, I thought I said doors. Doors. I don't know. I don't know. That's a dumbass question. (laughs) Like, is there more remotes or water bottles? I said said doors in the earth. Mm. Your mind is a door. In the earth, your mind is a door. Why does that matter? Because, uh, 
You said everything <laughs> God damn it I was like What the fuck did I miss Just start thinking of the TV thing. <laughs> right, Let me go pee <laughs> Year uh, So yeah Now we're on the second topic I'm moving you back a little Alright Alright So I'm, Yeah please Thank you So What's up The second topic mm-hmm. Again the, the second I I saw this headline yeah. uh, I pulled this from Reddit I forgot um, it already, so yeah, let me know again. What was the single topic? So, uh, like, because we talked about it uh, mm. recently in the show of like, oh, well, the guns. Do you, do you think they'll ever cancel live events in, in due to fear of things happening safety at these and events everything. and mm-hmm. safety and whatever? And I said, no, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> and it happened. Boom. So, point to Frankie. And that's the way <laughs> the news goes. <laughs> <laughs> Just end the show right now. <laughs> Be out. But uh, so I'll read the headline for you again. Atlanta's Music Midtown Festival canceled after court ruling made it illegal to keep guns out of event. Okay. And uh, this article is a little interesting because uh, it wasn't written super well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there are like some typos here and there, which which were interesting. Sus. Um, but it was reported by other like sources and gotcha. stuff like that. So like it, it is a legitimate story. The I, the biggest reason why I wanted to point that out is that in the headline they mm. spell canceled with one L, mm. but throughout the article they use canceled with two L's. You can spell it both ways. I know. That's yeah. why I wanted right. to bring that up. <laughs> okay, nice. Because ever since you told me that, I was like, wow. It's mind boggling, right? Like English. Yeah. <laughs> can so you I, even? <laughs> apparently not. Words hard. Words are hard. We're, we're hard. We're, we're hard. hard. We're hard. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we goo. Sometimes we're good and sometimes we're bad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go on to this gun talk. So. <laughs> The long-running Music Midtown Festival at Piedmont Park in Atlanta, which was scheduled for September 17th and 18th, mm-hmm. with headliners like My Chemical Romance, Future, Jack White, and Fall Out Boy, has been called off. All deserve to be shot. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. Damn. I'm kidding. Wow. <laughs> Yikes. I don't even know who Jack White is. Uh, the guy from the White Stripes. Mm, okay. Just him performing then? Uh, yeah. like The White Stripes broke up years ago. Oh. <laughs> so he's just the White Stripe? Uh, sure. <laughs> Got you. I I I'm curious if you know this about the White Stripes, but mm-hmm. uh, they're a, br- a brother and sister duo. Oh, I didn't. I I think I might have heard that like in the in passing. I don't know, but no, I I couldn't say that. That's crazy. Yeah. That's pretty. Just like Billie Eilish and her her brother. Yeah. Nice. Weird. <laughs> but um, so the likely uh, cause are recent changes to Georgia gun laws that prevent the festival from banning guns mm-hmm. onto the publicly owned festival grounds. The quote that they put out says, hey, Midtown fans, due to circumstances beyond our control, Music Midtown will no longer be taking place this year. Mm-hmm. We were looking forward to reuniting in September and hope we can all get back to enjoying the festival together again soon. Mm-hmm. And they posted this on their website. Uh, the owner of the event, Live Nation, uh, didn't provide any additional details for the cancellation. Um, pro-gun rights groups had uh, been emailing and posting comments on the festival social media page for several months, mm-hmm. hinting at this potential legal challenges from any gun groups. And uh, following a 2019 ruling that expanded a 2014 Georgia law that critics had dubbed the Guns Everywhere law. Okay. So they're able to bring guns everywhere. Pretty much. Makes sense. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, the law, officially known as the Safe Carry Protection Act, mm-hmm. expanded Georgia's already permissive gun state uh, statutes to grant residents the right to pack heat in bars, church, churches, schools, and other private businesses with the owner's permission. Mm-hmm. This uh, also expanded gun carry rights on publicly owned land, like the city-owned Piedmont Park. Mm-hmm. 
Although there was no legal consensus on whether or not the law applied to private events on city property like Mm -hmm. Midtown Music. And that changed in 2019 when the Georgia Supreme Court set new rules on what types of businesses could and couldn't bar uh, guns on publicly owned land. And this this part of the article is a little confusing, mm-hmm. um, but they say that five years earlier. So I don't know if they mean five years earlier from today or five years earlier from 2019. Okay. But they say five years earlier, a Georgia gun rights group filed a lawsuit against against Atlanta uh, Botanical Garden Mm -hmm. after one of its members was briefly detained for attempting to openly carry a holstered pistol into the garden, Mm -hmm. which is publicly owned land. What a place to bring a pistol into a garden. (laughs) (laughs) So peaceful. Folks, he's like, you know. (laughs) Imagine he's like, ah, the flowers. Caress the flowers. He goes in to smell them a bit. And then a bee pulls up. He's like, yeah, yo. (laughs) Protecting myself. First Amendment. (laughs) (laughs) That fucking bee was about to come. <laughs> that ass self-defense <laughs> cow written house <bro. laughs> the cow written house of gardens <laughs> all right but um mm-hmm. so as part of the 2019 ruling uh georgia's high court set a test for how the state carrier protection act was to be enforced by private businesses using public land mm-hmm. and that businesses and groups that held certain types of long-term leases for state-owned land could legally bar guns while businesses with shorter-term leases could not all right Pretty much meaning that the ruling favored the Botanical Garden, but it created legal issues for festivals like Midtown Music Hall that held short-term leases for city uh, parks sites. And just a little uh, quick thing, but uh, the festival launched in 1996 by Atlanta-based music promoters Alex Cooley, Peter Canlin, and Alex Hoffman. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, since the beginning, they've always banned attendees from bringing guns into the event. Yeah. And uh, something that I also, that the article tried to mention, but it was a little confusing and someone on Reddit said it better. Mm. Um, nice but, Reddit. Reddit. <laughs> but um, uh, a lot of artists also have in their contracts that they won't perform if there are any guns. Yeah. In. I think that just makes sense, man. I, I don't know. Like just, it just seems kind of wild to have a bunch of, gu- I know I'm all for like the responsible holding of guns and stuff like that, but just the festivals, baseball games and stuff. I mean, it already is a risk in itself to have somebody just barge in and shoot up a spot, you know, just to have a bunch of drunk people carrying their guns around. This doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. That or unless you like stop serving alcohol. But even then people. <laughs> Imagine. Yeah. People would drink alcohol beforehand. You know? <laughs> Imagine you stop serving alcohol. Imagine they stop serving <laughs> alcohol. Oh, my God. It'd be a tragedy. It'd be a spectacle. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. But, um. Mm-hmm. So while the 2019 ruling uh, by Georgia Supreme Court made it more mm-hmm. difficult for private companies to deny license and armed citizens access to events mm-hmm. on publicly owned land, it did not give the city of Atlanta the authority to enforce this decision or force the festival to allow guns into the event. Mm-hmm. So uh, pretty much saying instead, the law created a pathway for gun carrying individuals who had also purchased tickets to the festival to successfully sue event organizers if they were denied entry to an event taking place on public property. Okay. So imagine that. Like, you you are part of the gun rights group and whatever, and you are testing out the boundaries of this law, and you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to go into this festival with a gun anyway. Just because. Because even though they don't want me to, and then they don't let you in. Mm-hmm. You can completely sue them for that because it yeah. is technically illegal to ban guns i think it's pretty obnoxious for gun owners to like have to flex their you know rifle like there's a lot of videos i don't think look i know you're you're right and stuff but there's a lot of videos of people just purposely walking around with like a fucking ar-15 or like a fucking just crazy gun and they did their whole and they're just wandering back and forth and then the cop goes up to them they're like hey you're scaring people and they're like it's my right 
And like it is, like technically it is. You know, you have the right to protest, you're right to bear arms and this and that. It just as an individual, it's so telling of a person like that. You know, it's just it's your right, but why? Why do you wanna, you know, preach this so loudly? Like, you know, oh, just so for your now, YouTube video. So, so it's okay to say why again. It's always okay to say why. <laughs> unless you're trying to fuck with me. <laughs> Let's say why not. <laughs> but yeah, I just think it's one of those like just self-image things. Like you don't care about your right, you care more about your self-image for your YouTube video, for being obnoxious, for just making more work for officers that even though it's your right, they're still gonna get complaints from people. And they can't just tell people who are scared, like, oh, it's his right. You know, they can, they're more than welcome to, but you know, some cops are just trying to help too, mm. you know, and it just, it just makes more unnecessary work, you know? Yeah. It's just, it's just messy. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but, um, so additionally, local authorities are typically involved in security for large scale events like the cops that you were just mentioning mm-hmm. and likely would not have been able to enforce an illegal gun ban. So the festival would have had little to no backup to keep guns out. Mm-hmm. So it, it doesn't matter who uh, Live Nation went to. There'd be no way to like ever go about this successfully. And so they say canceling the 2022 festival gives Live Nation an additional year to weigh its options and potentially move the event to privately held land or to lobby the state legislator to update the law. Mm. In response, gun, gun right groups are also refining their own strategies for expanding gun carry rights into concerts and festivals and have begun identifying other Georgia events and venues on public land to test the boundaries of Georgia's gun laws. Mm. This quote uh, from Reddit, which I just absolutely love. And this kind of ends the article. Um, This person says, so if I go with a backpack, will they sift through my guns to make sure I'm not bringing any outside booze or drugs? (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and i was thinking about like what if i brought a sword you know <laughs> what if i brought a sword or a fucking you know one of those like sticks with the you know spiky ball at the end that you just swing you know like what weapons are limited to that you know like i know those are like physical weapons you know like brass knuckles but you're right like, that's perfectly <laughs> said it's just like, no you can't bring this weed you can't bring this ecstasy you can't bring but don't you your gun is fine <laughs> i just I it just, just seems a little wild yeah man like i was really curious to see what mm-hmm. you were gonna think about this because yeah. it's like you know I, I know I know you're pro guns and whatever. Mm. So it's like I was really curious to see what yeah. you think of guns in an environment like yeah. a concert or a venue or a festival or just something like that because mm. like, you know, I don't like guns. Yeah. And so it's just like the fact that reading that sentence of mm. illegally banned guns, I'm just like, that's yeah. so oh my god it's just so weird to me mm-hmm. but just to like put it ideally like if ideally all the gun owners were responsible or are responsible which you can't really say because you know the u.s sells guns to pretty much anybody you know that's the that's where you kind of put it in put it kind of like weird like i don't know maybe if you have a gun you can't buy alcohol but even then you could just drink that, that's my biggest concern is that people do drugs at festivals people will like really get intoxicated and they wild out and some are irresponsible carriers. Like, what if somebody, like, pickpockets your gun and they irresponsibly use it, you know? And what, are you going to protect yourself with a gun that just got pickpocketed, you know? And then, and imagine shooting, like, to defend yourself into a crowd that's going to, you know, hit yeah. somebody else from behind you. I think it's something that, you know, you should just, if nobody has them, like, you can own them, but just don't bring them into a crowded area where you're, like, literally, like, imagine, like, the Astro World with Travis Scott. Imagine they all had guns. Yeah. I mean, it would just be a fucking mess, you know? And... Yo, what'd you say? <laughs> Travis Scott was like, I'm out of here. I never cared about you motherfuckers anyway. Uh, to me, it, it just seems like an outlandish scenario where you would want to have your gun, you know? And, and, and I guess for people, they will always want to. But again, 
that that person in the mall in Indiana who shot was about to shoot up a whole food um you know area of the mall and was killed by somebody with a gun, a responsible gun owner who had used his gun recently. You know, and I mean, I don't know, thank God or whatever for him, but like he saved a lot of lives. You know, mm-hmm. people who were in that cafeteria with all of them, you know, were thankful for that person for existing because there was one person who was using it probably with their, you know, you know, they got to buy it with their rights and stuff like that, but they were irresponsibly using it. You know, and they were so young. Uh, but then somebody who's responsible counteracts that. So it's just one of those things where, yeah, you can get rid of all guns, but I still think if you do, the ones that have them illegally will always be there. But you can't yeah. get rid of illegal guns, and you just kind of put everybody else in danger. There's a, there's a, I mean, I'm not, I know it's, I'm not trying to make this whole gun conversation, but there's a video recently with some um, shop owner who's like old as fuck. Um, <clears throat> somebody came in with a fucking assault rifle to their shop, and they're all like, you know, get on the ground, this and that. This old person, I'll put it in the video. They, he took out a shotgun. He shot the guy through like the glass, and he the guy yells, "Ah! He just did, shot my arm off!" I think I sent it to you. Yeah, yeah. He's like, "He just shot my arm off! He just shot my arm off!" They asked the community what they thought about it. Everybody was like, "Good thing that somebody he was able to protect himself because otherwise it would have been three people with weapons up against this old person who can't physically protect himself, and his business is gonna be ruined." And um, it just it's a fortunate situation. I mean, those people should not have been going into that shop with those rifles anyway. You know, and chances are, I mean, whether they're legally or illegally, they're using them in an illegal manner. You know, so again, I think, again, we could put a gun in the middle of this table the whole time. It's not going to hurt nobody. I don't know. Man. Unless slime over here. I don't know. Man. It's a little crazy. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I, you know, they, you say it all the time. It's like, oh, so what? Like the, the, the umbrella just walked up, got up and walked on its own or something like that. <laughs> I never remember like, saying that in my whole life. Or, or like. Thank you, Scooge. Um, you know, I've seen sometimes I put my mm. gun down and and it just kind of walks up and move on, moves on its own. I, I some people would say I'm yeah. misplacing it and forgetting. Uh-huh. Some people may say it's a dildo you left on it just vibrated. <laughs> on its some people might also say that I left my actual gun uh-huh. in my dresser and I left mm. the vibrator one out. Oh, okay, but okay. I'm not irresponsible. I know which one is which. Yeah, you're right. yeah, absolutely. You should have guns. You should be able to own guns. Only you. Thank you. Only you. Thank you. Not cops. Thank you. You're welcome. I'll I'll uh, share my gun with with uh, anyone that I think is okay. Okay. Just off like, the like the looking at them, right? Like I I, I at least need uh-huh. to talk to them for two minutes and twenty two seconds. That's your standard. Yeah, two minutes uh-huh. twenty two seconds. That's that's what you uh, have with me. Mm-hmm. And if if I like you enough, you I'll let you borrow my gun. I think that's fair. I think that's the answer to all gun violence in America. Hey man, just speak I, to Javi. Just speak to me, man. Just speak to Javi. And and half of that time I'll probably be taking a hit, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot you. <laughs> I like how 007 carries a gun. He just puts it up to his neck you, you and he know, just uh, puts it forward. Now you you can't know see uh, it, what but, I thought about? I uh, thought about a 007 thing when you were mm-hmm. mentioning about um the uh if someone were to take like oh, someone's yeah, yeah. gun at an event, mm-hmm. um like pickpocket their weapon. Um there's that scene in uh, the the one before the last one, um, I think it was Skyfall. Never seen either. Um, but uh, in one of them, the Daniel Craig ones, um, there's a scene where he oh, falls. Oh, 007. I thought you were talking about just the movie Skyfall. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is that? Uh, but w- Skyfall is 007. What are you talking about? But no, but is it like 007 Skyfall? Yeah. That's what I mean. It's not just <laughs> Skyfall, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean. 
Anyways, all right. Anyway, fucking, he uh-huh. he's like he fights someone in like a a, a lizard pit or something mm-hmm. like that, and um, uh, they take his gun and they're about to shoot him, but the gun has like fingerprint identification, so he can't shoot James Bond. Oh, with that's his dope own as gun. fuck. That that's the future. But you know, it's also they, funny they about that scene. That, I think so. What's up? Uh, when they filmed that scene, uh, Daniel Craig had these gloves that he really, really liked, mm-hmm. and so he wants to keep his gloves on for the fingerprint. For that. Well, well, they just he just wants to keep the gloves on for uh-huh. the scene. He was like, "I look cool in these gloves. I want to wear them in this, a, in this scene." What a douche! And so what a double O douche! <laughs> and so once they shot the scene, and when uh-huh. they were editing it, they realized, "Wait a second, this can't really work out mm. if he has the fingerprint identification gun yeah. and he's wearing gloves." So they CGI'd his hands over his gloves. Yeah. And if you look at it, like his hands are just wonky. Bigger, or just like, <laughs> they, they, they kind of look like mitts. Yeah. What a, take off the gloves, Daniel Craig. <laughs> they're not that nice. <laughs> you think, like, no, they're going to remember the gloves in the movie. Trust me. We're going to get a fucking, what is it, Oscar or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, fuck Daniel Craig. <laughs> just a little fun fact for you. That's cool. Did you know that Walt Disney smoked a shit ton of cigarettes? Yeah. And when they put his pictures up in Disneyland, they edited. They removed all the all yeah. cigarettes out. So it's just pictures of him with like this, and there's no cigarette in his hand. Mm. I didn't know that. I'm surprised you didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, ah, that's my fun fact of the day that you just <laughs> ruined. <laughs> it's what I do, man. I see. I see. I, I, uh, I, mm. I don't know if you got this far in Adventure Time. Mm. I have an approximate knowledge of everything. No, I haven't. Uh, I've only watched up to like episode like six or five, but they're so good. <laughs> Such a good fucking show, man. Um, I said I said that my friend said this in another episode, but they, he said that this show will be studied in the future for like so long <laughs> just because how good it is. And like, you know, they're throwing a lot of little jabs in there for like adult jokes and stuff like that. But I wonder what they think about the gun control laws. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder I what Finn thinks. Finn, Finn probably Finn probably turns Jake into a gun and then shoots <laughs> um, Princess, whatever was her name, Bubblegum? Uh, yeah. Yeah, nice. I know my shit. <laughs> I, I feel that story is just so unique in its stupidity you know i just think it's atlantans are just bugging the fuck out and they're just trying too hard you know a little try hard you know vibes i'm getting and yeah man i mean i would not want to be at a festival and see some motherfucker with a shotgun <laughs> i'm just like whoa you wouldn't be like oh let me see that <laughs> no and he just points it at my face look if you looked on the barrel <laughs> fuck it nah if you man. look really closely you can see the bullet <laughs> yeah bro that, that shit is crazy because then I mean, there's just no other thing else to say. I I, w- I want to keep putting input, but then it just veers towards like gun laws and stuff, which I don't even have a big stance on either. Um, yeah, I just think those guys are retards. <laughs> that's that's my biggest stance on the whole thing. Because and women and women to be you know gender okay okay you know, true. and and they and them and them, and them, them. them on, 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 every, everything. You seen those videos of Matt Walsh asking people what is a woman? No, I haven't. They're very, very interesting videos. And uh, a lot there's going around on YouTube OD and a lot of people, you know, obviously get upset because they, you know, it's, it's a it's a thing that happening now where like even if you speak about like trans, if you just say the word trans, everybody's already like, <gasps> are we going to get mad at him? You know, you can't even have a discussion no more, you know, but he asks people, people who are trans, who are this, that, all that stuff, gender, uh, was it non-binary and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And he just asks like, what is a woman? And even like a professor of gender studies or some, you know, and they all just have like, stumbling answers that just kind of remove their point you know and you have you can have a stance in it at all but they're very good videos matt walsh they're very very good video he even speaks to government and everything and he has a great voice for the idea and javi what's a woman i would just say if you think you're a woman you're a woman all right (laughs) (laughs) but what is a woman i someone that thinks they're a woman i don't know man if i if i say i'm a woman then Mm -hmm. i'm a woman all right but you're you're a human right okay okay so what is a human being human being uh you have organs and shit like that and so, whatever. so what is a woman 
I mean, if you're t- talking biological, I'm I just guess. talking like what your definition of woman is. Like instead of being like, oh, human is a human, right? Like, I, I think I'm a cheetah. I'm not a cheetah. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you think you're Slime a cheetah, is, you're a cheetah. You're a cheetah. Slime man. thinks he's a cheetah and he is one. No, I'm, I'm not even trying to. That's such, such a b-hole that it's fucking ridiculous. And I'm not trying to get all political and stuff. But it's a hard. If you ask my question, I'm just gonna be like, you know, I answer later because it's hard. It's a hard question. And and I, a lot of them, like people, a lot of the people that answer are just stumbled up because they kind of don't provide an answer. They just kind of just avoid the question it's very interesting it's like a trending thing that's happening right now and stuff and yeah i mean yeah me just saying like i mm-hmm. if you think you're a woman you're a woman right. i i think gender is just kind of fluid mm-hmm. like you know you could do whatever the fuck you want to your body and like Thanks. say whatever you want like true i i don't give a shit he, like, he, he, he says the i just want to go on this love rant He's, he says the idea like oh I, I, my pronouns are handsome and brilliant so whenever you refer to me like you could only refer to me as handsome and brilliant you know and then like and then a lot of the argument is saying how you know you can't just make other people deem you this if they disagree with you and you can't force it into law for it to be because it's one thing to deem yourself as one and i'm not i have not, i'm not my stance on trans is you know whatever I've, i said in the past i'm not gonna reinstate it because i already know my stance what i'm trying to say is that um and watch the old episodes if you want to find out oh oh little little and, plug um <laughs> uh, and and the the whole idea of what a lot of people are saying, which I think is important to this, because I know it's a beehole, but to say that you are one thing and to have other people you know call you that is you know it's a choice for the other person to make, you know. But to force into politics is changing how the vocabulary is used and how we can decide how we're deemed, you know. Uh, it's just interesting. It's a, it's a open door to conversation that we're not going to have right now because <laughs> way too serious and way and too touchy. You know uh, What's what up? I want to bring up as a beehole. Oh. So. Last episode, uh, we talked about cancel culture a little bit, yeah. and then we also talked about Alex Jones. All right. So um, imagine this. I'm mm. sitting down, I'm editing the episode, and I'm listening to our little conversation about cancel culture. Mm. And um, I brought up like the idea of that, like, uh, I guess it's a little necessary at times because sometimes they find things that we wouldn't find otherwise. And uh, mm-hmm. your response was um, that, oh, well, that's why we also have journalists and whatever and this and that. Yeah. Um, and later in the episode, when we started talking about Alex Jones, I said, um, I think maybe a more like cleaner way for Alex Jones to go about this is if, why doesn't he do this as a journalist? Mm -hmm. And you said, well, he's an investigator and like, and I just found that so funny of how we basically (laughs) like (laughs) switch places for two different, like. Big groups. That is that's a podcast. That's a <laughs> like, podcast. That's that is pretty funny. Uh man, it's just <laughs> Alex Jones is so weird, man. He, he's such a fucking interesting person to get into, you know, because he's such a crazy guy. And if you watch a little bit of his uh, lawsuit and stuff, he says the craziest things. I just think he's portrayed in a very bad light because it's so uh, it looks bad on you for any network to speak against the parents that lost children in Sandy Hook. Just as uh, not not your own like stance just in the sense of how you are as a company you know because say like cnn says well alex jones makes some good points the next day cnn is for alex jones and they think that sandy hook the parents are wrong and this and that when it's like no like there i think there is room for his argument there like in, in terms of free speech in terms of you know the specifics of what happened what he said and what his his mindset was uh, again, I don't know what's gonna happen with the trial. Well, I that's think definitely why the videos are out. Yeah, watch it for yourself. No, I've, I've seen the video. Judgment. It, that's true. That's very true too. But and I think one big thing that he constantly says is that they're editing the video so much to the benefit of the of the of the people that lost their children. Which of course, I think they're gonna win. I think they're gonna win because Alex Jones seems to be digging himself in a hole. 
But when I watched the video through Long Crime, I could put it up in the supplementary, where this guy just knocks Alex Jones the whole time. Like, he's not being a reporter. He's basically saying, like, and Alex Jones says this so crazy. And then they show a clip of Alex <laughs> Jones. And the next thing he says is like, and it's supposed to be a sum up of the of the court case. But mm-hmm. this whole video of him, like 11 minute video was him shitting on Alex Jones. So it's it, it kind of like it's not by bi- it's not unbiased at all, and that's where I think journalism lacks, and a lot of people's opinions lacks. Like even just talking about the trans stuff and everything. Like again, people won't say what they think because they're scared of their social image. They, they I'm sure there's a lot of gaps that are to be filled, and you know when you even bring up like biological or this or that, like there's room to all that conversation. But the danger of today is saying, oh, you can't have that conversation because you're a bad person if you even think that way, you know and. Just like guns and everything. I mean, there's there's not a right or wrong. You know, we laws and and this is just get like you know all hippie man, but like good and wrong, right, good and bad isn't a real thing. Like laws are just what they happen to be when they are during the time we live in. You know, uh, it's just popular vote really and so, government. So so you just want to like smoke weed and just like fuck man, yeah, and man. just like live on your own, and just be like. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> just you know, there, there's um. Oh my god, Hotel. there's this. Uh, uh-huh. I'm forgetting her name. I'm. I hope I can try and remember her name. Idris Elba. The, I know it's a guy. Nope. Uh, um. Uh-huh. There's this amazing author. Uh who wrote this book or this like biography book or something like that mm-hmm. about living with a bunch of hippies pretty much during the seventies in California. Yeah. And it's just, you, you such, mean, you mean all of Williamsburg? Oh, it's just such an amazing mm-hmm. insight into mm-hmm. like the mindset and culture of oh, like, yeah. uh, like the hippie like era and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And just, it, it was such a great fucking book. Mm. Fuck, oh, man. I got, I got to try and find that book right. if I remember her name. I think her name is like Joan something. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, hippies' mindsets in regards to what? Just like culture, society, or just specific, like just All the trend, it, everything, dude. right? Like she lived yeah. with them. So it's just oh, like the, yeah, yeah. the book was just mm-hmm. like basically a slice mm-hmm. of their life. I think hippies are very important to like society too, though, because you need that outlier as well. You know, somebody's going to take a, st- a stance on things that are very sensitive. And, you know, like hippies, I don't think it's a bad thing just the negative bad things that come with them you know like south park how cartman hates hippies <laughs> and everything. i don't know if you've seen that episode of south park i don't think so it's so funny man he just hates all the hippies he always hates hippies but um i think everybody has a little bit of hippie in them but now i think people have some dictatorship in them as well portrayed as cancel culture and caring you know but you know like i've seen so many people just say like oh i hate white people or like i hope this person dies because they were mean to this person and it's like whoa <laughs> like that's pretty much what hitler said like <laughs> i'm not saying those people are hitler i'm just saying like hitler was like i hope these people die <laughs> and I hope, you know it's just like chill the fuck out like you know you shouldn't be saying these things um but yeah that's just that's just my hot take just because just because just i wanted to spice it up a little i mean <laughs> you know it's it's funny that we are kind of talking uh-huh. about like hippie culture and stuff like that we're talking um, about the 70s talking about the 70s so it definitely does like Mm. we somehow managed to naturally come back and and you know why because we're just we're professionals and we're on the earth talking about what's going on in our minds and why it matters this is earth matter mind earth matter mind with slime back on time oh Yeah, man. I don't know. That was a that was a segue, segue, behold, behold, all that stuff. But you know what? It's okay. There's you know, three beholes in here. We met on three beholes. Yeah, we met the behold criteria. I we, feel like we haven't gone into many beholes recently. Really, we haven't. I think we've been kind of focusing on news, and that's what it's about. That's what it's about. Beholes. <laughs> but uh, my mom actually. Said, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa. <laughs> that's that's actually kind of funny to to 
I said, you know, Bijos, and you're like, oh, my mom. <laughs> <laughs> I I but, can I can see how that's funny, but because <laughs> you know that, but I was like, whoa. <laughs> no, uh, our AMC section. I have a point just like that, which I won't give away now. But there's a, literally what just happened now is a song I want to talk about later. It's album section. But uh, my what I was gonna say is that my mom uh, <laughs> said that because of my hair recently, because of my afro and everything, uh-huh. that I definitely look like a hippie. And oh, I'm like, yeah. nice, nice, nice. Let's go with that. You and got I, a Ben and Jerry shirt. You got yeah. the LGBTQ colors, hell even yeah. though this is different colors. They stole the rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. uh, fucking Cameron at work, uh, mm-hmm. I told him about that, and uh, he was like, "Oh, like bet you like the Beatles." And I was like. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of stereotypical, but yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> who, who doesn't like the Beatles? You know what, nerds? <laughs> oh, you're a hippie? I bet you love uh, uh, Come Together, <laughs> fucking nerds. I bet you love Peace. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know? I you, I love that episode of It's Always Sunny, that which mm. I have seen. Um, nice. Uh, where, what's... What I'm forgetting their names. Um, D, D's uh, brother. The fuck I forget. Dennis. 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 Yeah. He he starts dating a hippie chick, so he starts like oh, yeah. getting into the whole like <laughs> groove of it, uh, and he tries yeah. to like hold down a tree. But as soon as they bol- bring the bulldozer, he's like, "Fuck this! <laughs> I, you guys uh, are dumb." <laughs> there's a um, there's an expression in that episode where he says, "Oh, I have. Would you like some of my kind bud?" <laughs> you, you know what that is. No. Kind, so kind bud is supposed to be like uh, like weed you're willing to share. Apparently that's an old uh-huh. term. I didn't know that. And because he's they, they, they kind of reject him as a hippie, he dresses up like one. They're like, "You're yeah. not a hippie, he man." He wears like the Rasta <laughs> yeah. or something like that, like a old bag, like a you know a reusable bag. And he's like, "Oh, okay, I'll just be going with my kind weed." <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, bro, bro, <laughs> come over here." And then they, 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 I don't know. That's pretty funny. I didn't know that was a term. I looked it up. <laughs> I was like, funny. "Why am I laughing at this?" <laughs> so, uh-huh. last topic I got for you. Last topic. Hold on one second. Alright guys, as CFO, you gotta cut out the slime talk, alright? <laughs> 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 nah, we might help it up. Our, our readings are through the roof right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're back anyway. <laughs> slime is drinking some water and we are back. You know, he's slimy, he's gotta stay hydrated. Slimy, that's how you say slimy. He, he, yeah, I mean, yeah. if he's not staying hydrated, he, he's he's gonna be gunk. That's what I'm saying. And check out you, you slimes. Don't, you don't want to be gunk. Check out slimes YouTube channel and Instagram. Escuchia runs spelled E S C U T I A. Slime runs. Oh no no no! They, he, it's gonna be that now. Okay. But you can catch him at E S C U T I A underscore runs, like running away, but with the S. Slime. Can you spell that for me? Nah, nah. It's too much work. I'm not here to spell shit. I'm here to talk. Spell phlegm. P-H-L-E-G-M Nice (laughs) Someone just asked me that yesterday And I spelled it correctly So I was like Let me just throw that out there Usually I'd reject that You know proposal That I couldn't spell And I said you know Let me flex a little (laughs) (laughs) Let me flex my spelling skills I hope somebody thought it was F You You you, you striving person To become a better Speller that's what uh-huh, I'm saying. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait to save yourself, buddy. Got to, man. Got to. <laughs> In this climate. <laughs> In this climate. <laughs> Any thoughts, Slime? You've been, you've been here for a bit. What's up? <laughs> anyway. So, last topic I got for you. Last topic. Headline again reads, mm-hmm. In the late 70s, teen punks ruled New York. Mm-hmm. These are their stories. Nice. Um, and... I would love for you to guess uh, which of these articles so far is my New York Times article that I like that I usually like to bring up. This one, it is. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I, uh, there are some pictures I want to show you uh-huh. that they have in the article, and it would have like gotcha. there'd be no way I could hide mm-hmm. that. If- Just because the second one you said was badly written, right? But you know, canceled one and they, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And the first one was a uh, nope. No, nope was our first topic. 
bonus topic. The well, scientific pig. Oh, uh, that that one seemed too too sciencey. Well, the New York Times did cover it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> Whoops. All right, so there's two of them in New York Times. Well, no, I just didn't. Uh, the article that I used for the scientific one was mm-hmm. uh, from NBC. I think you're a big fat phony, actually. <laughs> I, think, yeah. no, I literally said it that today I saw oh, that the New York yeah. Times released their article oh, on it. Oh, okay. But I meant amongst the three. You know, amongst the, it's kind of like, what's the, what's the process of elimination? <laughs> yes. That's what happened just now. So this is a pretty good article. Right. It's uh, not too long. Um, and... I'm just going to kind of go down it, like sort of read it out loud just because mm-hmm. uh, it it really tells a story more than anything. Okay. And if I were to write down notes for it, it would just be whatever it says. Okay. <laughs> um, so they like the article starts off for letting you know that it starts in 1977, mm-hmm. something that they determined the first generation of New York City punk and alternative bands and that had moved on to larger venues and the international touring circuit. Mm-hmm. The thrash of hardcore was still a few years down the pike, yet the storied music venues of Manhattan were alive and allowed of excited underage patrons. They passed their days at Stuyvesant High School. They came from the High School of Performing Arts in Murrow. They went to Friends Seminary, Walden and Dalton, and to Brooklyn Friends, too. Some were dropouts and runaways. Some were even from the suburbs. Almost all of them were under 18. Mm-hmm. Over the next few years, they spent their nights creating their own rock scene playing aggressive, witty, sophisticated, and intense pop and punk for fellow teenagers in places like CBGB, Max's Kansas uh, City, Hurrah, and TR3. These weren't the all-ages shows that would become commonplace in the city a few years later. This was a unique moment in the city's musical history that changed the lives of many of the artists and audience members who were there. Though their stories have gone largely untold, imagine an upbeat Lord of the Flies, styled by Manic Panic and Thrash and Vaudeville. The article continues, the ranks included Eric Hoffert, who did four hours of homework from Bronx Science each weekday, then practiced his guitar for four hours. Weekends belonged to his band, The Speedies. Arthur Brennan, a 16-year-old from Groton, Connecticut, who regularly hitchhiked 20 miles to the only newsstand where he could buy magazines that covered new music, he renamed himself Darwin Stagger and ran away to New York City to join a band. And Kate Schellenbach, a ninth grader at Stuyvesant, who had heard a rumor that groups her age were playing the most famous music clubs in the world, just blocks from where she lived. In September 1979, Schellenbach was 13 and started high school in an outfit assembled to express her interest in new wave music. Overdried painter's pants from Unique Clothing Warehouse, white go-go boots from Reminiscence in the West Village, a bowling shirt, and an Elvis Costello pin. She says, I remember going to the girl's bathroom and this girl, Nancy Hall, who was the coolest, was sitting on the sink. And Nancy suggested that Kate go see a band playing at CVGB later that week called the Student Teachers. The arty pop combo included a female rhythm section featuring some kids from Friends Seminary and somewhat improbably the rather distant Memoronic High School. She says, if I hadn't seen the Student Teachers that fateful night, I might, ne- I might never have been a drummer. And Schellenbach, who actually the following year founded the Beastie Boys, uh, helped found the Beastie Boys in 1981. Nice. And uh, she went on to form Luscious Jackson. Uh, She says, seeing Laura Davis play drums, seeing Lori Reese play bass, and how exciting the whole scene was, everything about it made me think, oh, maybe this is something I can do, she added. These people were still in high school. It seemed attainable. And uh, this is a pretty cool picture of a mm-hmm. of the of student teachers that kind of inspired her to become a drummer. Oh, so the students and teachers, or uh, that's both. the name of the band. Oh, student, student teachers. teachers. Okay, nice. All right. So yeah, it's just the the pictures here just seem so like 
it's like such a time period. Yeah, so so I mean, cool. Even the stories you're saying right now, you know, just I, I don't know. I, I think today, okay, I'm not gonna shit on music today because there's just so much of it and there's so many outlets to express it, like social media, word of mouth, and this and that. But right now, there's room for promotion everywhere, and there's so many startups. Everything's just because we have allowed that. You know, the more we go older, and the more we emphasize creativity. You know, there's this. I think disgusting gap where funding and it probably is still happening today where funding wasn't so focused on create the arts in school mm. and stuff. And I don't, I don't ever understand how that could ever be when so much science, you know, really just upholds the idea that you should be able to promote arts because it does stimulate, you know, people amazingly, you know, and, and it's kind of a shocker that we have always had huge bands and movies and these incredible arts. And we're going to tell kids, Oh, you don't, you don't need to do that. Like you just got to focus on math, English and science and, we're not robots, you know, and, and the education system isn't perfect, but this is a cool story to like, I don't know how we can always suppress that, you know, because yeah. it's, it's sad. And we, again, there's kids today that are more, that emphasize music and stuff so much in, in, in class. I mean, again, I said this a long time ago, but kids, when they're sang to, they tend to learn more vocabulary than when they're, you know, spoken to, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, a mixture of both is incredible, but that just speaks for itself. You know, it's, it's, uh, I just still... I can't believe there was a time period where, if there is still one, that sucks. But just suppressing the arts because it's so crucial. It's just the funding for it is so limited. Also, that when it is allowed, there's no room for expansion or true emphasis. You know? Yeah, I mean, definitely. Like during this, like they weren't being suppressed at all. Like these, yeah. I mean, these are these were kids. Yeah. They they had all the freedom to just go out and do this shit. Yeah. And uh, the article uh, touches on that later, especially sort of like touching on like the setting of New York city during yeah. the seventies, how sort of wild it was. Um, it, yeah. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. it, it's a, it was New York city was a completely different place during the seventies. Mm-hmm. And it's just something that we won't ever be able to really yeah. get like a, yeah. a good hold of. I mean, even the 2000s to the nineties to the eighties, seventies. I mean, Every decade is going to be just a shitload of change, you know, and I mean, it all comes from something, you know, mm-hmm. and I, that would be cool to investigate the 70s overall. If, if we ever do the history episodes, we can do like focus on a certain decade of the of the world, even just out, outwards, because this is happening in New York. But again, music is happening all everywhere, always and forever will be always happening. You know? Yeah. I mean, even when I read this article, I always knew that New York City had a punk scene mm-hmm. um, in, in its history. Yeah. I mean, New York and is I, music. You know? Yeah, I mm-hmm. like and specifically uh, the punk scene in New York City was uh, in the Lower East Village. Mm, okay. uh, specifically, St. Mark's is a pretty popular spot. Makes sense. Um, and the article even says that later. But um, I'll go on it. Uh, mm-hmm. Like kind of what we're saying now, the article says the timing was perfect. This was the first generation to grow up with punk as a status quo, not the exceptional uh, rebellion. This quote says, part of the call of history was that you weren't supposed to just listen and take it in. You were supposed to listen to the conversation and form a band yourself. This was said by the student teacher's keyboardist, Bill Arning, who is now a prominent gallery owner and curator. He continues to say, of course, you were supposed to form a band. It didn't even seem like it was an out there idea. Why not, people? (laughs) Deadass. But uh, the key groups in the movement were the glam bubblegum speedies, a high concept bunch of overachieving teens, plus two very slightly older members who, quote unquote, wanted to be the fusion of the Beatles, the Sex Pistols and the Bay City Rollers. According to the founding guitarist Gregory Crudson of the, uh, the student teachers who played art pop with, El- I don't know how to pronounce this word, El- elegiac, 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 spell it, E-L-E-G-I-A-C. Yeah, we need what the fuck? Elegic? Elegic? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> I don't even know what it means. All right. 
but uh, touches reminiscent of Roxy music and the Velvet Underground. The Blessed, uh, which is they they specify is with two syllables, uh, so not blessed, just blessed. Uh, who were the first sloppiest and most fashionable group on the scene. And the mega poppy mod group, The Colors, who, like the Speedies, were enamored with bubblegum music and were mentored by Blondie's drummer Clem Burke. And other bands on the edges of the movement included The Stimulators and Miller Miller and Sloan. If the core bands in the teen punk scene had anything in common, it was an affection for big choruses, flashy, colorful clothes, and near-arrogant certainty that the empowerment promised by punk rock was now theirs to inherit. This quote by Nicholas Petty, he says, we didn't know any better. And in 1977, he was 13 and started calling himself Nick Berlin, and he became a co-founder of The Blessed. He spoke to the Times and uh, before attending a funeral for another founding member of the band, Howie Pyro. So rest in peace, Howie Pyro. Rest in peace. But uh, last month at the Bowery Ballroom in Manhattan, Pyro's inheritors, including D-Generation, uh, Theo Kogan of the Luna Chicks, and Brian Fallon of the Gaslight Anthem paid tribute to the New York Mainstay for Memorial Show. He says, we thought this was how you lived. We would watch John Waters, uh, we would watch John Waters movies, and yes, of course, we would understand they were actors, but we thought this is what you're supposed to do. And he said this from his home in California, where he works as the head of culinary arts management program at Mendocino College. He said, this is your life. This isn't how you dress up. This is all of it. We want it to be a three ring circus. When we played an early show and a late show at Max's, we would bring two complete changes of clothes for each set. This certainly isn't how we have. This isn't certainly how we would have expressed it at the time, but it was living life as a performing art piece. The Blessed were the band that Arthur Brennan ran away from Groton, Connecticut, to join. After two weeks, the money he had saved from his paper route ran out, and when private detectives came to retrieve him, he was happy to leave his new identity as Darwin Stagger behind. He says, After the first night, it's really not that much fun sleeping at the all-night blimpies on 6th Avenue. And he's now a public teacher in Los Angeles, which is kind of lame. Um, his life. <laughs> He says, but it was such a sense of relief to meet people who were like you. Yeah. In your own hometown, you'd be considered a loser slash weirdo. We were kids learning how to act in a crazy, artsy adult world. Mm. And uh, the author- I think, I think more so they were kids just being kids. You know? Yeah. yeah. I don't think it's an adult world. I think, you know, music is just timeless. You know, there's, I mean, this is random, but there's a little kid where you can look at a video and he's rapping every word to, I think, Hey Mama by Tupac. Nice. And it's amazing. And it's just like, you know, it doesn't have to be some little kid playing fucking piano and playing this, you know, any like a crazy piece. Like all music is what it is, you know? And uh, I don't know. I, I just, not to like go hard on this motherfucker, but I don't think that at all. I just think that the scene is always going to be whatever you make it, you know, like there's in a scene where there's 50 year old, you know, people who play cellos, some 12 year old could come in and be like, I like this. I'm going to join this, you know? And, you know, I mean, I think maybe what he's yeah. just saying is more of a literal thing of like, mm -hmm. maybe before them, the scene was more just like older people. Yeah. I know that, that either way, it's just music is no age. There's nothing to, I that, mean, I don't think know? he's saying that yeah. age was like yeah. only for them. And he's just kind of saying like at the time, like mm -hmm. we were just kids. Like yeah. he says it like, uh, that they were just doing crazy shit. Mm -hmm. But, um, the uh, this author Jonathan Lethem, uh, he wrote about his affection for the Speedies and Miller 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 mm -hmm. and Sloan in his book The Fortress of Solitude, mm -hmm. which noted that childhood was different in New York at the time. He says the city was chaotic in a way, but it was really easy for us to operate. You couldn't convince a taxi driver to go back to Brooklyn if your life depended on it, but you could always walk over the bridge. I do feel that we essentially own the city; that we were the actual ones it belonged to at the time. 
um mm. which is you know just again no, like you, you can't get you can't experience that anymore yeah. like that it's, i don't know i tried to order food to marcy projects and they were like oh we don't deliver that, <laughs> <laughs> that i mean i'm kidding but no definitely I, I get the context of it too you know just it's all context you know like I I would just love to be in New York uh, during the seventies for a day. That'd be so cool. That would be cool. I like New York now, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, who wrote this article, by the way? Uh, the author is, mm. or the writer of this article, his name or their name is Tim Summer. All right, shout out to Tim Summer. And what's the article? Oh, you, so you read it already. The article name. Mm. Mm. Okay. The, con- the article continues where it says, Jill Cuniff, a scene patron who later founded Luscious Jackson with Schellenbach and Gabby Glasser, said the city seemed like a nonstop event. She said, night was freedom, and it felt like we were really safe. If you were a parent, you might think the opposite. Those kids are going out to nightclubs. They are only 13. That's so dangerous. No, my daytime I- at IS-70 was really dangerous. My nighttime was safe. And, uh... The article questions, how did the scene keep going? Well, none of the well-traveled downtown venues like CG, CBGB, Max's Kansas City, TR3, or Studio 10, um, they none of them regularly checked IDs, the musicians were called, and they said the ones uptown like Hurrah and Tracks only loosely enforce age-based alcohol restrictions, which at the time was 18. Um, in fact, the CBGB owner, Hilly Crystal, and Peter Crowley, who managed and booked Marx's, seemed to welcome the wave of underage New Yorkers eager to discover music. Crowley says, kids generally like to drink, but we tried our best to make sure people were safe. Though I did wear a badge that said, I am not your mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the article kind of questions, but was the safety an illusion? And this quote says, for a long time, I looked at this period of my life nostalgically and sentimentally. This was said by author Christopher Sorrentino. And he uh, they continue to say, only recently have I begun to recognize how vulnerable we all were, how many risks we were exposed to with absolutely no one to apply the brakes. This goes double for the girls who at 15 or 16 often had relationships with men in their late 20s and early 30s. Uh, Laura Albert, who is in the scene from age 13 and later chief fame and notoriety, writing under the nom de plume, which is a pen name, uh, JT Leroy, agreed. Uh, they say access still came with a price, especially for girls and queer boys. Uh, they say that said there was a sense of possibility. Age was not a barrier. I was a teen in foster care, but I still had access to the musicians I admired, calling them on payphones and interviewing them for va- for fanzines. And uh, this is a pretty cool picture of uh, the stimulators mm-hmm. at the Matt's Kansas City. Oh, that's a dope shot right there. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. kind of like Elvis esque mm-hmm. almost. Yeah, man. But uh, the article kind of wraps up where it says that by 1980, the teen punk scene was simultaneously evolving and dissolving as its members grew up and moved on. Some of its participants went on to play prominent roles in the local hardcore punk movement, like Hoffert and Crudson of the Speedies, who produced the first Beastie Boys, Beastie Boys demo, and the Stimulators became a foundational band of the local hardcore punk scene. Others went to college or took jobs that required leaving their dalliance with late nights at Max's Kansas City and shopping for brothel creepers on St. Mark's in the rearview mirror. Uh, this quote says, as cool as I thought the scene was, I realized I just didn't want to be here. I want to be in college. This was by Laura Davis Channon, the student teacher's drummer. And they say that was a big thing for me, given the incredible, shocking, thrilling world of rock and roll that I was a part of. The article continues. While the punk scene that preceded this moment has been exceptionally well documented, far less has been written about the teens who ran the night as the 70s gave way to the 80s. None of the groups were signed by major record labels, and only one of the bands, The Colors, released an LP with the initial span of its career. 
The Speedies did put out an archival collection in 2007, which lar- largely took advantage of the use of one of their songs, Let Me Take Your Photo, uh, which uh, was used in a Hewlett Packard ad campaign. Uh, they continue to say, with only spottily distributed independent 45s, which are records, to spread the word outside the five boroughs, what was a potent local scene never gained a national or international profile, but several of its members have made notable careers inside and out of the arts world. Crudson, the Speedy's guitarist, is an acclaimed tablo- uh, tabloid photographer. Hoffert, his bandmate, became a da- data technology pioneer who helped develop the QuickTime Media Player and is now the senior vice president of Xander, and that's just a subsidiary of Microsoft. Uh, Alan Herkin Torres played in the Speedies too, and is a former New York State Supreme Court justice. Uh, this quote by um, Hoffert, they say, there is a magical empowerment from what we did that has carried us through life. The photography Gregory has done, my work in digital media, is directly related to that. Schellenbach had a similar outlook. It spawned so many cool things, art, authors, hip-hop, a magical time in New York City. And the article just kind of ends where it says, Ellie Addy, who began going to Max's before he had even hit puberty, became a speechwriter for Al Gore, then a writer and a producer on The West Wing and Billions. He says, it made me unafraid. It made me realize your life can be anything you want. If you want to know these people, if you want to experience the music, even if it seems out of reach or not allowed, you can just do it. You can write your own story. Boom. That's dope. I think that's dope. And it, um, I mean, shout out to, what's his name again? Tim Summers? Tim Summer. Tim Summer. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, that's just like a documentary and an article. <laughs> you know, it just yeah. really just captures the time period and... Again, I do think that's irreplicable now. You know, you can't do none of those things today just because it's such a, you know, monitored world. You know, try getting a drink at a fucking Webster Hall if you're 13 years old. Try did getting I, in. You did know? I tell you mm-hmm. about when I took uh, Lucas to go mm-hmm. see this band called Remo Drive? Um, and uh, they were super strict about the drinking yeah, uh, thing there. Like, um, uh, Remo Drive usually tends to bring younger crowds. And this is my mm-hmm. first time going to the Music Hall of Williamsburg. Yeah. And I had gone there two weeks later uh, to see Prince Eddie and the Hyena. Mm-hmm. So, and it was a completely different experience. Yeah. When I went to go see Remo Drive, they were super serious, like, better not get them alcohol. Yeah. They said it like three times before we get into the venue. They like drew the X's on Lucas's hands mm-hmm. and shit like that. And I see in the venue, there's a lot of young people. Yeah. Like, they all had the X's on their hands and yeah. shit. And they were just so strict about it. <laughs> just put on gloves. Ha, <laughs> 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 bitch. <laughs> Daniel Crane. <laughs> yeah, man. But when no. I went to go see Prince Eddie Mahina at the same uh, venue, mm. they didn't say anything about drinking. Yeah. And I got Lucas a beer that day. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure they didn't. I mean, they care for sure because, you know, you get fired if you sell it to a person with X in their hands. But it's just, that's why I think that article is so important. And I'm pretty sure even up until the 80s and even the 90s, you know, it simmers down. But there's still a lot of craziness that happens. I mean, Coke was prominent in the 80s like crazy. You know, and people still doing all that shit today. Yeah, I mean but, that's something the article doesn't touch mm-hmm. on. Honestly, the sort of yeah. anything drug related. It was pretty like to me. This this article was very vague. Like it wasn't specific. It kind of like covered this specific set of bands. And I mean, I get the message. You know, like they lived through a crazy time. You know, all this stuff. And now there are people in our world that live through this craziness that abide. You know, today's rules and regulations of the world, and especially the city. You know, but I also think, like, yeah, there's so much specifics. I mean, how do you put the 70s in one article, too? You yeah, know, you, you can't. can't. <laughs> you can't. But it, but it's dope. And um, I would have liked it if they like ventured into one band and then expressed everybody else's, you know, thing within the one band and stuff. But again, mm-hmm. there's just so much happening. 
Uh, and and I think is that the thing is that it's still happening today too. You know, just not in the same sense. And again, without that monitoring of you know what's happening in the venue and this and that. But I mean, punk rock is always gonna live, you know, within itself. Just same thing with rap and and hip hop and jazz, even this and that. You know, you know how many depressed jazz players are on that <laughs> piano. You know, watch for for July, Louis um, C.K. But this, I mean, the thing about music is that people got to be crazy to do it too. You know, there is a craziness that is that's ageless. I would say. I guess yeah. that's my whole point. Like the craziness to be a musician is, is pretty pretty intense. You know, and I think I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome that that influence can carry on. But it's interesting to me that a lot of them ended up becoming just regular workers. You know, like just the yeah. That, there's that's interesting there's only me. like one person that uh, like kind of stayed yeah. uh, making music and mm-hmm. stuff, and like that one band that only released one LP, yeah. um, which is interesting, and mm-hmm. it makes me think of that song that I've mentioned to you before mm-hmm. from a uh, Lagwagon. Um, the uh, I think it's called a uh, gun to your head, something like that. Okay. But it's the song that I told you to show to David. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck it's that. that um, we'll show you David. He listened to the last episode. We said his last name. And he texted me. He's like, don't use my last name. That's <laughs> 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 pretty funny. I was like, whoops. <laughs> no, he's joking though. I'm um, I'm gonna pull it up mm-hmm. right now because uh, I think I think it's really important. Mm-hmm. Um it it's from this band called Lagwagon. They're mm-hmm. a really old band. Um they have this song from their album, Let's Talk About Feelings. Okay. What year? This, this album uh-huh. came out in 1998. Okay. Uh, which is pretty... Yeah, close un- to the last uncanny. one. Oh, wow. shit. I didn't even, uh-huh. I didn't even realize that. <laughs> I never considered these two bands were out at the same time. That's, Bro, that's wild. Even with the AMC section, I thought they were... I'll tell you later, but I thought they were... I was way off. Not way off. I was kind of off with the year I thought it came out. Um, you know what? I also think, just while you're looking for it, I just think that the, the scene was bigger than the... Involvivity, if that's a word, I don't think it is. The like what? Involve, involvedness is that like the involvement? Involve, involvement of the actual craft of music. I think the scene itself was actually just more enthralling. You know, it was more appealing to young children. You know, like go against the rules and this and that. And that's probably why they all became just regular workers because they probably like like not for nothing, but that that scene, that scene, that article also kind of covers you know like underage sex and like a lot of things kind of soft heartedly. You know, it kind of like, you know, it, it mentions that it's consequential to queer boys and like younger women who had sex with 30 year olds. But I mean, find a 30 year old band member that can have sex with a 15 year old today and tell me now they wouldn't be a cancel and stuff. <laughs> so I feel like there's a lot of area for like b-holes, I guess, or like different articles that like kind of should show the, you know, the harsh light of that, too. Because, I mean, of course, they're probably just having fun, too. But fun is subjective, you know, and, and what a fun with people a 15 year old might think is fun could be tragic for them in the coming years you know that that once that one decade of life could lead to years of therapy and then you know unresolvedness yeah man i know? can't find these I fucking it. lyrics i'm trying man. To, i'm flattering i'm not, not flattering i feel about the shit out this moment I think, I, <laughs> but i do can, i do think that though i think that, that um, there's a lot of consequences of that scene that, that's not referred to here it's kind of like putting flowers over just an evil person you know it's kind of like there's a lot of things that were mentioned there where i was like whoa you know you know, because what what I wanted to find pretty mm-hmm. much is that in this song, they have a sort of sample where it's just this guy saying like, um, in your 20s, you're you're rebellious and things like that. But yeah. by the time you're 30, you turn. Oh, you uh, mentioned it before. Establishment. I don't think that either. But I think 20s, you're, you're developing. You're undeveloped half of the time and then you're forward and, you know, this and that. Like, I think you are going to be a, re- a rebel regardless. You know, like they just you don't have the well, energy. I don't know for for uh-huh. these people, they kind of turn government by their thirties. I mean, yeah, but that's them. I mean, <laughs> think about how many of them didn't. Do that. I mean, how many of them were just in the article compared to the whole scene of New York City? You get me? Like, there's that. There, there are a handful. That's why. That's what I'm saying. Like, th- these are the 
the you know the focus of five or six and there's or like seven or ten but that can't capture a whole entirety of a scene really you know like what happened to the people that worked there what happened to the people that were in the crowd that they don't talk about what happened to people that you know set up the sound system that, that built there you know like just just little things like that that's why this, this article is it only contains so much and i think it was you know it was, it was a good storytelling thing but i think there's, there's a lot of gaps that i would like to be filled especially the one with the consequences but also just I don't know. I, I think it would it would have been a little like more like interesting to see one band at a time or this and that. You know, like a series of these types of articles. So what's interesting that mm-hmm. I'm finding here is that uh, the sample from the song um, "Gun in Your Hand" by Lagwagon mm-hmm. is a sound clip from a 1999 four film called "Swimming with Sharks." Mm-hmm. And fuck, I really wish I could fucking find this shit. <laughs> you can't type in the lyrics and find it. I I ha- I do, but it doesn't. Oh. It, the lyrics don't show the sound clip. Microsoft uh, words. <laughs> Holy trash! I know, man. I'm, I'm a fucking cut. Are you on ass. Google or are you on DuckDuckGo or some shit like that? <laughs> I'm just on Google, but I also check mm. Spotify. Spotify yeah. doesn't have the lyrics for the song because no one knows Lagwagon. Damn it! So it's a damn shame. Looking like you have to let that go, Javi. <laughs> yeah, I know, man. <laughs> I saw you trying really hard. <laughs> we got a show to run. <laughs> But, but I, you get the essence of it. You said like in your 20s, you're a rebel. In your 30s, you're this and that and everything. And, but uh, the reason why I want to bring up this story is because I think it uh, it definitely relates to the AMC mm-hmm. section. Oh, yeah, for um, sure. Just because we're going to be looking at another punk yeah. band. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, should we just dive into it? What do you, what do you want to yeah, do? Yeah, I got to take a piss real quick. Let <laughs> <laughs> okay. me take a piss real quick, All but right. then we'll dive right into it. There we go. <laughs> Slurping you. <laughs> oh, shit. And we're back. Slurping slime. Slurping slime. Slime's getting slurped right now, and it seems like a big issue. <laughs> He's getting slurped by Link, by the way, Hobby's dog. <laughs> and yeah, man, so we, now we can dive in after our little bathroom break. <laughs> no bathroom break. No bathroom. We don't take a bathroom break. You're right. Yeah. What we, do you, this is full on the whole way through. CFO, we don't do bathroom breaks. No bathroom. No, from here on out, no more bathroom breaks. Ever. For the rest of the existence of the show. Yeah. Yeah, man. We don't We don't play around. We don't. I, mm-hmm. I'm being so serious right now. Shits are okay. You can't, no. you can't talk with this shit. Yeah, you can. Yeah? Yeah, you can. Think so? Why not? You know, every episode we've filmed, I've had to take a shit the whole time. And I hold it in for, uh, what's it called? Motivation? You know, it's funny that you say that because uh-huh. um, I, I also do that. Yeah? But it's because when I hold in a shit, it makes me feel, like, more excited. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like on being on the edge. like Oh, shit. Like, you don't know if it's going to come out during the show or anything? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, it's uh, I, I like that excitement. So mm-hmm. Would you I, ever really use a leaf to wipe your ass if you took a shit in the woods? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Why not? I don't know. It just seems gross. This is, you know, <laughs> I would just not. I mean, I would wipe with something else. Socks. With socks. Socks is the best. But what, what if you've already used But the your, lint. What about the lint? Like you can get in your ass. So you get, what the fuck you get your ass with a leaf? <laughs> you get some bugs. You get some oh, poison come ivy. On, what fucking bug? Like, are what do you mean? It's nature. <laughs> like what? What bug aren't you gonna see on the leaf? I don't know. I would, a green one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fucking blind ass motherfucker. I got to get shit. I got my glasses. <laughs> Ridiculous. All right, but we are on the AMC section now. It's a very special one to me. We have the whole flag up here for the AMC section. <laughs> and what are we talking about today, Javi? So, you know, we hit episode 25 and yes, I was sir. like, what, what's going to be on, on the second like half of like of this show? Like, mm. what are we going to be talking about? I guess we can just talk about more of what of what's really important to us. All right. Yeah. And I, I, I figured now that we're past episode 25, yeah. it's about time. It's about damn time. It's about time, it's about to, damn time. to introduce you to my favorite band. Yep. 
they like i would imagine this is like your kanye (laughs) (laughs) in a way in a way i guess (laughs) your favorite band and the band is the fucking i was gonna say some other crazy band i can't think of any what is the band hobby Blink-182. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, finally talking about Blink-182. And I still... This is the first time I listen to them, to be honest with you. Yeah. yeah so, man. they... Hey, you said it on the show before. That yeah, you never listened to Blink-182 before. You were in awe. You were like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. So, I, <laughs> I was really excited to do this. Nice. And it was really difficult for me to pick the album, because mm-hmm. uh, they have nine studio albums. I was going to ask. Okay. And which one um, is this one? Oh, which, which album are we talking about? So, uh, I'll, I'll get to that oh, in a sec. Oh, so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh-huh. Yeah, I, they have nine studio albums, and I was really looking at what era of Blink-182 to introduce you to, because these guys have been in the business for a long time. They've gone through a lot of changes and uh, uh, band member changes as well. Um, so I was like, what version of this band do I want to show you to? And early Blink-182 has kind of always been my favorite. Like there's and there is a joke in the community of like I like the old Blink One Eighty Two. Yeah, I like the old like Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Uh-huh. It, it goes like that for everyone. Yeah, man. But yeah. um, I decided <laughs> that we're gonna look at their sophomore album. Okay. Their second album, mm-hmm. Dude Ranch. Nice. I I was heavily considering their third album, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Enema of the State, which is essentially their mega hit album. Okay. Enema of the State. <laughs> Is what really made them like blow popular. Up? Okay. Like that's what really made them blow up. That's is it the like, cover with Britney Spears on it, or is it a different one? Uh, it's a blonde chick. Uh, she's a porn star. I thought it was and, Britney Spears. Nah, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> the way she just she be showing herself. In it. <laughs> yeah. So okay. It, and uh, I actually wanted to show you, but I like I I, I forgot. Okay. Um, they you. they have this uh, live album. Hmm. Um, and on the live album, they play uh, two songs from Dude Ranch. Okay. They, they play uh, Untitled and awesome. um, I'm forgetting the second one that they play. I believe they play uh, Untitled and Dick Lips probably. Okay. Um, I could also just look at the album. Duh. Good, good. This is but, things um, are good though. <laughs> <laughs> but before they play those two songs, Mark mm-hmm. Hoppus, the bassist to the band, he mm-hmm. says, these are for all the pe- uh, fans that knew us before Enema of the State. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so that just kind of goes to show how much Enema of the State blew them up. Yeah. So that's why I really want to show you Dude Ranch because it nice. is like basically on the edge of when they become like the Blink-182 that most people know. What do you think about their first album and what was it? So their first album uh, is called Cheshire Cat. Uh, I really love their first album. I, mm. I, I love it a lot. Um, it I, I was really debating whether to show you that one or this one. Yeah. So I, I went with Dude Ranch just because uh, they have a couple more singles off of it that were more popular from Cheshire Cat. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it just there are just certain things musically in this album that kind of that you see evolve from this to enema of the state. All right. And it's just a time period that was really important to this band because, uh, this band, they started in 1992. All right. Which I I was astounded. I thought it was in two thousands. Yeah. I thought this album, this album came out in 1997, right? 1997. Good year. Best year ever. Uh, I thought this album for my initial like hearing of it, I thought it was 2004 to 2005. Damn. That was like my first thought of it, you know, so that's awesome. The two songs that they played on, on that live album, uh, Untitled and Voyeur. All right. Yeah. Nice. But um, Voyeur is a funny song. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so this is their second album. Uh-huh. It's uh, it's what uh, I'm lost. Myself. Sorry, don't worry. We're all here. Came for out you. on June 17th. June 17th. Uh, it was released jointly through MCA Records mm-hmm. and independent label Cargo Records, mm-hmm. though it was their last one of Cargo Records. Oh, so like this past June was the 25th anniversary of the- Yes. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the album went platinum in the U.S., uh, in the U.S., Canada, and Australia. Mm-hmm. And in 2007, popular American mu- uh, music magazine, Alternative Press, uh, listed the album in the article Class of 1997, 10 albums that shaped the punk of today. Awesome. And Kerrang!, a similar older brother UK magazine to AP, ranked Dude Ranch number 15 in the 51 greatest pop punk albums ever. And uh, the reason why I wanted to show you this album uh, also is that this is the last recording with drummer Scott Rayner, who was dismissed from the band in 1998. Oh, shit. What happened? Um, so, again, this album came out in 97. So, And these guys formed in 92. It, originally, it was Mark Hoppus, Tom DeLonge, and Scott Rayner. All right. They were all local to San Diego, California. Mm-hmm. They all got together, just started making music. They started out with playing in like high school cafeterias and getting nice. kicked out because of how juvenile their music is and shit like that. <laughs> all right. Um, and That's they dope, just though. they just made their way, and uh, they started touring in their own van and stuff like that. So much good music has probably come out the high school cafeteria. You know, like I know it's a video of Mac Miller freestyling in the high school cafeteria, just rapping or something. Really? Yeah, That's cool. Yeah, man, it's super. And this video you can watch on YouTube if I'm not mistaken. Nice, super dope. Mm-hmm. But. uh there's also this really great article that uh, I'm going to talk about um, that talks about the genius of Dude Ranch. All right, yeah. um, but before we get into that, we can go down the track list. Oh, for sure. Um, the track list goes Pathetic, Voyeur, Damn It, Boring, Dick Lips, Waggy, Enthused, Untitled, Apple Shampoo, Emo, Josie, A New Hope. Degenerate, Lemmings, and I'm Sorry. Yep. And those are the 15 tracks on the album. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it's it's such a fun album. <laughs> yeah, man, it is. And, and and just off the bat, just before we go, like to me, I had like four things to say. One of them is what I thought that it came out 2004, 2005. The second one was like I feel like I'm playing Tony Ho- Tony Hawk Pro Skater the whole time, <laughs> you know, just because the essence of the sound. And at first. When I first heard it, my first thoughts, like the initial, because I never heard Blink-182, I only had like a thought of what they sounded like. When the first one was like, oh, all the songs sound pretty similar. And at first it was kind of a downer because I was like, whoa, what is this, you know? <laughs> and and then the repetition, because the repetition and sound. But then after halfway through the first listen, I, I understood it. And the second listen, it became recognizable melodically and then just became awesome. Because to me, it was such a different sound you know compared to even like mom june's prince daddy you know stay in somewhere city all that stuff it wasn't as modern you know but to me it felt throwback and by the second and third listen that's when i was like really really just involved with this sound and music and today with my last listen i really much enjoyed it man i really i got put the volume up high even though you should probably shouldn't do that i read the lyrics as it went down and it really just completed the album for me like you know from the first thing like my impression of the album at first was the cover the cow in the front with the yeah. dude ranching on the back of it but by the end of the third listen i was like i don't even care about the album cover like this is great music you know and it really does capture a time period even after talking about the 70s and stuff like it really it really is good it didn't disappoint at first i really thought i was like whoa and like now like i was even showing beer just before i left the house i was like yo these are my two favorite <laughs> songs like we watched the live version we listened to that and yeah it, i even got emotional during one song nice it was, it was fucking awesome and that and this is not an album i thought i would you know like because of the first impression that's why you really gotta like if you're really trying to listen to music especially new music that's new to you you gotta give it time chance you know and just really involve yourself with it it's easy to make a first impression but you know not to say you have to like everything you listen to you know there's gonna be albums in the future probably like ah, that's all right but from what from this being an uh to me really became like a special album to me honestly speaking so that was dope 
Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> before I get into the article, uh, I'll say that because um, you kind of question what happened to Scott Rayner uh, mm-hmm, leaving yeah. and whatnot oh, yeah, yeah. or being dismissed. Mm-hmm. Oh, he died. Uh, <laughs> uh, they actually, so Blink-182 has a single that they released uh, called Man Overboard. Oh, damn. And it, it was kind of their sort of diss track to Scott Rayner. Oh, shit. What um, the fuck? So it wasn't mutual. Uh, it was not mutual. All right. Uh, Scott Rayner apparently had a really bad drinking problem. Oh, shit. And uh, was just really drunk a lot of the times when they were on tour and was mm. just fucking up and messing up and things like that. Gotcha. And uh, they were just like, yo, man, you got to get your shit together. And he didn't. So they uh, both Mark and Tom kicked them out. Damn. And, and this uh, was after the third album or before the third album? Th- before their third album. Damn. That's actually even more for him. But nah, control your shit, bro. So yeah. that, that Conan O'Brien video that I showed you where they were playing Damn It, mm. Scott Rayner is in that video in 98. Oh. And uh, that was in March. Okay. Uh, that same year. Uh, Travis Barker became their new drummer. Travis Barker is the one that's married to this this to girl, Courtney Kardashian. Oh right? yeah, 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 you know, you know. <laughs> that's crazy. What the fuck? Okay, I didn't know that. So uh-huh. it's really funny how Travis Barker joined the band mm. because uh, he used to be in this ska band called Aquabats. Are they nice? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> yeah, the way you left that, I imagine. So Aquabats kind of sounds crazy. If I were to show you a picture of who the Aquabats are, yeah, show me. You would look at this and be like, "This is the guy that ma- that is now married to Kourtney Kardashian." Let's see. This is the Aquabats. no fucking way. They got masks on and we'll shit. They look, like the the they look like the Wiggles. They look the Wiggles. Their they, music videos are also just as ridiculous as their outfits. No way. And what's it, it sound like? I mean, look at this afterwards. It's <laughs> fucking funny. This is where what Travis Barker fuck? was from before he joined Blink-182. You got to start somewhere. And joining Blink-182 is probably the best thing that's ever happened. For sure. For sure. <laughs> it, Mark Hoppus has joked around about how they never knew they were going to end up with the best drummer in the world. Oh, that's awesome. Like, they, they just recruited him and they had no idea that he was gonna be this fucking good so they do you know any reason as to why they recruited him or it was just like hey we need a drummer i believe uh the aquabats and blink were on on the same tour together wow um (laughs) and uh they they needed a fill-in drummer and travis filled in you know there's some person out there like damn if only the aquabats stayed together (laughs) (laughs) it would have been the fucking beatles of this generation (laughs) the nirvana of this generation travis barker has won drummer of the year two years in a row wow he it's incredible that Mm -hmm. he's in a band like this that not to like not to knock down like blink or anything but it's almost like they got lucky they really got lucky with with that's fucking awesome and I heard in the past, like, drum solos weren't really a big, I think, like, people didn't really emphasize drums, um, like, solos. I don't know what time period, but, like, it was all about the guitar solo. And mm-hmm. then the drum solo started being, like, much, you know, recognizable. And even in this album, there's a lot of parts where the drums are super crucial to the to the album. And this is still Striner, right, in here? Scott Rayner. Scott Rayner, sorry. So, like, you know, even he does a good job, and it sucks because, like, that's one thing I made sure to really take a listen to during the album. It's the drumming as well as the guitar and especially the singing. I'll say off the bat, I like Tom's voice way more. Oh, yeah. Way more than the other guy. What's his name? Mark. Yeah. I love Mark more. Yeah. Oh, nah, bro. Like when I first started listening to Blink, I was definitely more of like a Tom fan. Gotcha. like as time has passed on, uh-huh. I'm more of a Mark fan. There was something like there's a couple of songs that I felt like if if Tom sang it. I mean, first of all, they're both great. Like they're both great in their own way, and they, better that they both don't sound the same than you know sound the same. Mm-hmm. But I just there's a lot like like I'll say off the bat, Untitled is my favorite song. Like super okay. amazing, my favorite <laughs> favorite song. That and then I think uh, Degenerate is my second favorite song. Nice. Those are those are two bangers to me, and and because the style is so much different, and I, we'll get that later. But bro, I, I love those songs like crazy. <laughs> Yeah, but I just throw out throw in the dust. 
Yeah, you know? I mean, uh, I'll, I'll, I'm not gonna go into the whole article. Okay, uh, I mean, it's not a long. Nah, article, I, I like but, to uh, learn. I mean, I like when we do AMC sections. That's why I always go so hard with the background because it's like to to me, Blink One Eighty Two is still a blank slate. Like I have no idea about any of them. So even just learning about Travis Barker, that just break that blows my mind. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I I love uh, the little like subtitle that they have for this article because again, it's the genius of Dude Ranch by Blink One Eighty Two. Nice. The subtitle is goofy poppy and puerile but still now but still raw in all the right ways yeah blink 182 sophomore album is the best encapsulation of the pre-internet california punk spirit that's awesome and uh the the article is pretty funny but um it talks about a fun corner of the internet uh saying that footage of people talking about it to mid to late 1990s that they're uh they witnessed people like mark hoppus and tom DeLonge doing uh like shit just shit around the place during the release of dude ranch and at the time uh which happens uh which becomes more prominent later in their careers but tom believes in aliens and stuff like that nice tom delong is actually uh uh been behind some of the released ufo footage oh what the fuck like yeah. he's recorded it and shit like that or he, he just helped he, fund it he's like he has a whole like organization and stuff oh, like to, f- to find aliens and stuff oh, and what the the footage that was recently released in last year by like Congress or whatever. Yeah. That was footage that Tom DeLong had founded. Oh, what the fuck? So he, nice. he he's no longer in Blink 182 at the moment. Oh, what happened? Uh what? He, that he, sucks. <laughs> that sucks ass. He uh he mm. left to um well Blink 82 broke up at some point. Okay. Um they got back together and but uh when they got back together there was still some turmoil going on within okay. the band, be, especially between Mark and Tom. Um, the one of the reasons why they broke up is of a lot of the um sort of tension between Mark and Tom of mm-hmm. I guess fighting for the spotlight in a sense. Gotcha. Because they they both wanted it to be equal. Um, but I guess at some points it didn't feel equal. Yeah, I mean I think fans make that more so, and then they kind of bring it out the two. Like you know I think that's a a trait that's like instilled in you. Like you know you always kind of combat. I mean even in doing the show, like you know who cares like oh, this and that whatever like spotlight you and me whatever. Like I don't look at the show and be like oh I'm better than you or you're better than me. Like yeah you do. <laughs> like we just we just have the qualities to our own that make the show. It is. I feel like that's the healthiest way to go by, it. especially because we speak opinions and stuff like that. Um. But it, it must be tough because I, I know, like, with a lot of groups, like, even, like, the Beatles, like, oh, fuck Ringo, you know what I mean? Like, what was he to the band anyway? And I'm not saying people say that, and that, that most of them, so it doesn't really matter. But I'm sure that happens a lot. But this is, you know, that just is interesting to me, you know? And even the live thing we watch where I think Mark hits Tom he, like, on the shoulder. Tom. Like, to me, I was wondering, like, is that a healthy thing they're doing here? Or is that one of those things where, like, maybe Tom doesn't really fuck with that? And we'll, basically, in the, in the, in the, for the listeners, in the performance, Mark kind of shoves Tom midway through his like guitar like solo or something like that. Uh, just during like the verse, and he just completely stops and like, kind of glances. But no, 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 his eyes are so like emotionless, so you don't really know what's happening. And to me, I saw them as a yin yang. Like Mark was the more like outrageous one, and Tom is the more like just you know sing and and guitar and like scream. You know, so that's you know, interesting. It, yeah, they, I mean they're they're such an interesting duo those yeah. two. Um, but uh, yeah, w- when they got back together, there's still turmoil going on, oh. and um, it just wasn't really working out. They released one album and one EP after they got back together. Mm. Uh, wasn't received super well. It was a little mixed. Gotcha. Um, Did you like them? Uh, the first album when they reunited is called Neighborhoods. Mm. It's okay. It's not my favorite album from them, but gotcha. their EP that they released two years after that, mm-hmm. uh, Dogs Eating Dogs, I love that EP. Nice. Uh, I, it, it's actually some of my favorite Blink-182 music oh, in that shit. EP. It's really good. Oh, and then they broke up after that again. 
uh, they didn't break up after oh. that. Uh, after that, Tom just left. Oh, shit. Uh, he, he just wanted to sort of pursue his own ventures and his own projects and stuff like that and mm. left. And they brought Matt Skiba from Alkaline Trio as oh. uh, the new guitarist uh, singer. So they still exist, but just without basically... With Travis Barker still there? Travis Barker still a oh, part gotcha. of the team. So it's kind of like an interchanging band, really. Like Mark is always the one that's always Mar- been there. Mark has been has always been there from the start. That's interesting. So he, he's the last surviving member of, of wow. Blink One Eighty Two. That's interesting when you think about a band evolving into what it is. You know, like what if again, like when the Beatles because they're so huge. But what if they did that? You know, what if they and, interchanged? And it kind of did with the and, drummer. And yeah, and that's mm-hmm. why like I it was so difficult for me to pick which album to show you. Yeah, because yeah. I was like. Uh, their last um three albums are all of Matt Skiba. Oh and shit! And so it's like, did I want to show you any of like the Matt Skiba era, Blink One Eighty Two, or did I want to show you Tom era mm. or Travis and whatever? Yeah. So I can't compare, but I really enjoyed this one, so I'm happy you picked this one. But mm. uh, the album, or sorry, the article, mm-hmm. um, like I said, explains that Tom like was into aliens and stuff like that, and uh, before he he swerved into his later career of finding aliens and shit. Um, they, the article just kind of talks about this one art, uh, quote says, don't expect any deep philosophical insights at the official blank on 82 site. Um, and that someone says that as the camera, uh, rolls over the lyrics to damn it and a line that came to define the band at the function that provided their, for their fans was, well, I guess this is growing up. Yeah. That's basically the theme of this whole album. I think so. Like growing up mm-hmm. and like getting past certain moments in life and this and that, but growing up is a huge one. I think so. It uh, that's the, awesome. The article says it's true that Blink One Eighty Two didn't do deep back in nineteen ninety seven. They did dumb and relatable, yeah, which is its own sort of philosophy. Their songs were snotty, breakneck charges written by dweebs who were always pining after a girl who would inevitably reject them. Mm-hmm. They were stupid, sometimes mean spirited, sophomoric, and fantastic in a loose, almost almost their sort of way. Mm-hmm. They felt like growing up, fucking up, making up, and learning from the experience. The rough edges that would be sanded down, uh, sanded clean on their uh, 1999 mega hit Enema the State were still present. And they still sounded like friends who happened to be in a popular band rather than full-blown rock stars. Yeah, that's for sure. That's These for sure. guys have always had, like been humble from the start. Even Mark, nice. to this day, Mark Hoppus is like, in, like such a modest guy. Like, yeah. It's funny because their music is still very... Um, like edgy or just angsty yeah, yeah. and stuff like that mm-hmm. and there's this one interview where someone asked him this was from like 2017 like you know you're like in your 40s like why yeah. are you still so angsty mm. and mark is like i don't know what to tell you man. <laughs> that's why I'm, I'm, I'm just an angsty guy yeah. and you can't fake what they're portraying here like this is something you, you, if you fake it it's gonna come out as something you get what you aren't you know like this punk rock feel like what every adjective they use to describe this album you know like it's true like it's, it's a sound that's so unique to them because that's I didn't see this after my couple of listens that, you know, all this, they're trying to make the music. No, they're trying to make music for them that they enjoy, you know, and it just happened to become this huge phenomenon that is Blink-182. That's my word of the day, I say phenomenon. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I think it's awesome because because you got to be yourself to represent yourself, you mm-hmm. know, and I think any changes outwards of that would just make a album that's, you know, just whatever. And, yeah, and, I, I they talk about the humble beginnings of Blink uh, in this article, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um. Because they say when Enema the State hit, uh, which was dominating MTV rotations on its Mm -hmm. way to multi-platinum status, and it uh, left to a wider world um, uh, for Blink to be uh, fully formed. And the truth is, is that they'd ridden a a ground shell of support from Simple Beginnings as a garage band in Poway, California. Hoppus and the Long met in 1992 after being introduced by Mark's sister. 
Inspired by Descendants, All, No Effects, and the buzzing world of California punk, they started writing songs that DeLong has regularly described as nursery rhymes on crystal meth. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> there, there's this real, uh, really great documentary from uh, Ernie Ball, which is a guitar string company, where okay. they interview uh, different guitarists, and they interview Tom DeLong for an episode. And uh, he talks about how a lot of his songwriting is turning nursery rhymes into into pop punk, pretty much. Gotcha. That those like their lyrics are so melodic and their riffs are yeah. just so melodic. It's yeah. like it's very uh, catchy. You can't uh, like it's kind of hard to forget almost, mm. uh, which is just really interesting. And he also said in that interview, uh, the band No Effects. He saw them live once, and he saw like the guitars fucking up, and he was like, "Oh, so you can just like." fuck up on stage and yeah. no one cares nobody bro they, they're just in it for the vibe and the sound and the party you know the fucking <laughs> yeah. the celebration of music and if you if you really look at a lot of live videos of blink um there's actually some controversy of like you might get a good or a bad tom that night oh shit where some nights he's just better on the guitar and singing some other nights he's, mm-hmm. he's not as good i've heard that though artists yeah like, a lot of artists is about like the good night or the bad night how they're feeling and everything and yeah. I mean, yeah i think I mean, you pay to see the show, you pay for those circumstances, which sucks. You know, you would want every show to be perfect, but mm-hmm. that's just not human. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. But yeah, um, DeLong would break into local high schools and place flyers for the band's shows and lockers. Meanwhile, Blink began selling demo tapes in their local record store awesome. and people kept buying them. DeLong's frantic downstrokes and open note riffs, the twin vocalist style, the pieces were all there and the, and these uh, scattershot early recordings. The problem was that the songs generally sucked, and even on their successful 1995 debut, Sheshire Cat, sounded like they'd been recorded in a windsock. <laughs> Still, support kept growing both in real life uh-huh. and the nascent world of online fandom. Based around Blink's uh, harnessing of suburban enemy and their unthreatening entry points into fast, outwardly aggressive music, before long Epitaph Records, fresh from releasing The Offspring's game-changing Smash and uh, Smash and Rancid's and Out Come the Wolves, both great albums, mm-hmm. were on their tail, along with a handful of major labels. Blink unapologetically signed with MCA. And uh, MCA, uh, again, was the record that they stick with for Cheshire Cat and Dude Ranch. Gotcha. But, no, but after Dude Ranch, they left. Gotcha. You know what MCA stands for? Multi-Capital Records? I'm assuming, I don't know. I don't know. Some shit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Dude Ranch was recorded at Big Fish Studios in Encinitas, California, with producer Mark Trombino, who had played drums in Drive Like Jew. Jew? Like Jews? J- J-E-H-U. How would you pronounce that? Jew. You think so? Yeah. Or Jehu. <laughs> I think Jew is probably how it's pronounced. Okay. Yeah, maybe that was like the whole joke of it, you know? Maybe. Drives like Jew. Hala, hala, hala. <laughs> uh, they had also worked on Jimmy Eat, Eat World's 1996 LP, uh, Static Prevails. Okay. A Blink, fi- which is a Blink favorite, apparently. Um, I've heard of Jimmy Eat World, but I don't know if it was a movie, a show, a band. Do no you know idea. the song, uh, The Middle? Hey, don't put yourself off the end. I think so. Come on. <laughs> I think I think I know the song. To be honest with you, like the sure. chorus is like. That's Jimmy Eat World. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I do know what you're talking about, <laughs> and so does the rest of the world. <laughs> From that song only. But um, 
This quote says, Cheshire Cat had sold 70,000 records at the time we started making Dude Ranch. Mm. That was said by Trombino. Uh, he said that to MTV in 2017. It was a much, much bigger record for me at the time. I was excited, but also nervous and intimidated. I felt weird that there were these guys who had sold, who had sold uh, way more records than I had ever sold. And I'm sitting in the producer's chair telling them what to do. Oh, shit. Trombino found a band who were switched on when, when it came to their trajectory and commercial uh, ambitions. And also one, one that had settled into a songwriting mode that was more focused, lean, and representative of what they were trying to achieve. Damn it is crucial to that. DeLong uncorks a scattershot riff that still ranks as one of his best, followed by muted power chords. A halftime chorus and quiet bridge, with the chorus slamming back into the room at the at the end, alongside a descending keyboard line. All these elements would be successfully repackaged in the band's subsequent work, and on everything from All the Small Things and Wendy Clear to Anthem Part 2 and Feeling This, making Damn It a 2 minute 40 second light bulb moment. Unlike the later high water marks, though, uh, Dude Ranch is scratchy and raw, and there's a blown out quality to the guitars that's in constant combat with the vastly more refined vocal books or vocal hooks. Mm. At this point, DeLong was playing a sticker, sticker heavy strat fitted with, if he remembers correctly, a Seymour Duncan Invaders pickup. He says, when I first started playing, the Stratocaster just seemed like a cool looking guitar. I took I took out all the pickups, just had one pickup and one knob. It was a punk rock kid. I was a punk rock kid. Dude Ranch is the last time that the punk in pop punk felt like the band's dominant mode. Pathetic and enthused ripped more than almost anything in their catalog and could go toe-to-toe with any number of the more commercially uh, persistent peers. Pre-Travis Barker, the band moved in ways that are more obsessively related to Face to Face or The Vandals. And only fleetingly do these songs suggest that this band is about to become one of the biggest on the planet. The Blink, the Blink would scale uh, those heights while for a time retaining their goofy charm and unpretentious grounding in a year's old friendship is testament to the things they figured out about themselves on Dude Ranch. Everything went sideways later on. They broke up, reformed, DeLong left again, with Hoppus and Barker preserving with Alkaline Trails back Skiba in his place. But 25 years ago, their world was defined by dick jokes and an almost incred- incredulous uh, sense of possibility that spoke to kids who'd continued to grow up alongside them. Nice. And that that's just kind of like a little thing about the album that this, just- that this article wrote, which I thought was really nice and really cool. Yeah, man. It captures like basically their whole existence, but just with a little sum up and everything. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure again, like the seventies are like, there's just so much to say about them. I imagine, you know, cause uh, if this is their second album, I'm only wondering what's to come later on, you know, but this, this is a really dope album, man. And uh, again, for somebody who's never listened to them before, like it's just kind of uh, definitely like outwards because again, like all the other albums we've covered have been pretty modern in terms of the punk side, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and this is a more like, again, 1997 is crazy. You know, that's a whole different time period. Yeah. You know, now when you think about it, which is crazy to even think about, but that was a whole different time realm. So, I mean, all the music around that time period also is, is interesting to compare, but this is their little sector. And I don't know Blink-182 was, as, I mean, I knew it was huge, but I wonder like how huge is Blink-182? I mean, they, they were massive yeah, back then in the day. It's funny because um, mm-hmm. uh, Josh just sent me a song from this uh, newer like punk band uh, called Hot Mulligan. Okay. I'm not too crazy about them, uh, but they uh, Josh uh, shared a song of them called "Featuring Mark Hoppus." Okay, and I was like, oh. "Boy, do you even know who Mark Hoppus is?" <laughs> and then, and then, he was like, "Nah." I'm fucking. I was then. like, "Schlacking." <laughs> 
You should probably look up the name of who that is <laughs> before you recommend it to people. I, that, that's cool. Like in terms of what their homage was, it an homage or was it more like it was in the song? I for, I, I didn't listen to the oh, whole okay, song because gotcha. he I, he only he sent it to me when I was at work and I was like I can't listen to this right now. He's like you knucklehead. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I like Blink has had such a massive like Im- impact on yeah. the pop punk scene and like just the wave of like pop of rock during the late 90s and early 2000s like before yeah. this it was like grunge you had like nirvana and uh yeah. and pearl jam and then you at this point you had green day and blink 182 and fallout boy kind gotcha. of taking over the scene and it no, i can kind of see the picture you're painting now like nirvana and all that stuff was more like a little more like sophisticated and not really like they had a lot of silly <laughs> stuff too but just like a little deeper lyrics and stuff like that and, and i feel like with with dude ranch altogether like there is a lot of room for just like feeling emotions and like feeling like re- relatability, which I do read a lot and stuff. But I mean, a lot of it is just funny. Like a lot of it is like it, Voyeur in particular, just hilarious. Yeah, and, that you know, like, like just, it, when listening to Voyeur, like yeah, especially bro. nowadays, it's like if you look at the lyrics of that song. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, real quick, uh, if um, you want to go down the track, yeah, let's list. go. Let's do it because I have notes for every. So sort of pathetic. Yeah, pathetic. Mm. Um. I think it's such a great opening track because yeah. it really uh, embodies both Mark's and Tom's like singing capabilities, like the back and forth. Yeah. It just it opens up with opens up with immediately. This is where I wrote. I realized there's two members here. Like, well, you know, in terms of singing and mm-hmm. stuff, and that I wrote perfect tr- contrast between them both. Yeah, like, the contrast is super true and and necessary for this. It, like their album. voices just work together yeah, so well. Definitely that. Like, and uh, the whole song is basically just sort of accepting this idea that like you're being told by like. I guess your significant other yeah. that you're pathetic yeah. and you're a loser and this and that. And it's just kind of not giving a fuck about yeah. it. It goes like, don't pull me down. This is where I belong. Da, da. Yeah. You know, it's just cool, man. It's just fucking, but I like the, I like the uh, lyric. I've done all I can, but her ego is still hard to move. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, he says something like they kind of repeat the lyrics in this song. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really like when he says, um, I've done all I can, but she still wants to be left alone yeah so that's really important to me um because i'm just like you again you can do everything you good with the headphones i do like that like a lot we said i've done what i can but she still wants to be left alone yeah yeah that's a harsh that's a harsh one you know what i mean that hits real my bad the headphones are just fucking up on me <laughs> in the video um yeah and, and there's a lot of little those snuck in there i think so and not really snuck in they put that in for a reason mm-hmm. but i mean again like that's a part of the relatability that I'm talking about also where you can you can feel that and it's you know he, she he whatever the fuck you want yeah but like just you know some people like that effort is no longer even necessary because the end goal is just gone you know and that that's that's pretty heartbreaking for a lot of people I mean for anybody in, in a relationship and this and that you know so yeah. strong and words I also like uh, how they repeat no one no one likes a dropout yeah like I because I don't think these two ever went to college okay. um, or Travis either or anything or Scott mm-hmm. um, for but, college okay <laughs> and you know it it just kind of speaks to like I guess a, again the time period yeah, of a lot standards. of people like we're dealing with these kind of standards and things like yeah. that because you could say that back then going to college was considered a way more like yeah. crucial thing to do like a norm today like a norm like if you don't do it you're like oh what are you gonna do with your life if you don't go to college and yeah. now it's more like no nah, college is kind of a scheme if you don't find the right way for yourself you know mm-hmm. like and it's a great thing i'm not shitting on college go to it if you want but like you know it's there's a lot of cons to it too and a lot of unnecessary shit that you gotta do in college that you know but i mean again teaches on with that stuff but you're right it captures the time period of like and even before that probably just you have to go to college you have to go to college and 
And um, I don't know. I think there's a freer range of things to do nowadays. Yeah, I mean, I think it just kind of speaks again to their humbleness. Yeah. Of like, no one likes a dropout, and yet here they are saying, "But this is where I belong." Yeah, man, that's fucking awesome. Yeah, like it's it's just a full acceptance of just not giving a fuck. I mean, Tom says it himself. Where uh, if I could uh, find a line where he says, "I um, think it's disgusting believing and trusting." If I gave a fuck, there would be nothing for me to prove. Yes. Yeah, man. I think although it's amusing, it's sadly confused. Like they have a lot of that. <laughs> I don't know if that's <laughs> what, but. But, uh, you know, I really like their cadence with everything, too. Like, it's yeah, super it, dope. It goes back to the nursery rhyme, yeah. like, at, like aspect of it. Hell, yeah. It's just very catchy. Yep. And, like, yeah, sing along. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You can follow it very well and everything. Seeing these guys live back then would have been fucking awesome. Nah, oh, God, uh, man. man. That's you, that's one thing. That even just off the immediate uh, impression. You know, I, I, I haven't said this yet, but uh-huh. um, so I started playing guitar freshman year of high school. The the band that uh, uh really got me to start playing guitar was Green Day. Nice. I, I was I there was just something about Green Day. I was like, these guys are cool. I want to play these songs. Yeah. I got a guitar. My mom hated it. Uh, she, holiday, right? That's one of the songs. <laughs> yeah. I like the song. <laughs> my my mom hated that I got a guitar. She was nice. like, you're not gonna do anything with this and this and that, and whatever. Which kind of goes back to what we were saying that no. like kids aren't ve- very motivated to do start things in the arts and whatever. Yeah. Um, my mom to like today loves that I play guitar yeah, and stuff man. like that. Um, it's expression. But, it's fucking free. You know, it's like the one yeah. part of your day where you, I mean, there's many parts like even the podcast and stuff, but just like when you pick up a, pick up a guitar and play, like you just escape. I know it sounds like corny and stuff, but you do like, you don't have to just listen to people talk, even yourself think like you just have to, you know, express through these instruments. And I think it's super crucial for people and therapeutic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I, I, I play guitar for like a month. I learned maybe like two or three Green Day songs. Yeah. Um, and I, I was, I guess I was already starting to like lose disinterest. I was like, ah, mm-hmm. I don't know what other Green Day songs I would learn. And I, I was just so close minded of like, what else could I even learn? Yeah. And then I was in the uh, car with my mom uh, going to school one day and uh, she had to get something inside real quick. So I was in the car by myself. Mm. Radio came on. And all the small things by Blink One Eighty Two played, mm. and it was the first time I had ever heard that song. That's awesome. And I was like, "This song is amazing." That's fucking <laughs> cool. That's so cool, and that's why radio is super important too. Like all music, but you know, like you just hear a song, and you're like, "Damn, this might change my life." <laughs> like and, that literally changed your life. You yeah. Know? <laughs> and to that, like, I remember I literally listened to the entire discography of Blink One Eighty Two like the following day. That's I just so sat cool. down on my computer on YouTube, just listened Shout to out everything, to YouTube. and I was like, "Yo, these guys <clears throat> are amazing." Yeah, man. And that that's how I fell in love with Blink One Eighty Two. I was mm-hmm. like, they it, they they're the reasons why I continued to play guitar. Good, like, good. It, I'm happy to happen. Yeah, man. I they're like I sprayed my whole <laughs> yeah. guitar. But I, I, I love these guys. Nah, man. Yeah, and, and people like usually like I'll put the logo over it or we disregard it. But now this is the main thing. Like we literally have the whole set <laughs> for Blink One Eighty Two. Yeah, man. And it won't be the last time we cover them, man. Because I'm you know definitely can cover them in the future and shit too. But it's, it's, it, I think to me, this is a special AMC just because I know how much you love Linguetti too. And I'm finally able to like jump in with you and see what the fuck is up. So that's dope. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Voyeur, like we mentioned, yeah. pretty funny song. Yeah. So I, at first I was like, oh, this is nice because I took on the lyric. I wish she'd be more kind now. So I was like, oh, <laughs> and then I wrote, bro, he's talking the shit out. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then I wrote, but this song is funny as fuck. And I wrote so important to look into lyrics. <laughs> and there's a lot I, of funny um, lines here. Uh, something that kind of dawned on me for the first time listening to this, uh-huh. like preparing for this, is that 
this song is about a peeping Tom. Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. That that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> oh, okay. At first, I was like, oh, the title, but I know the name Tom. And, and he's sing, he singing the song. Yeah, uh-uh. he sings this song completely. <laughs> that's fucking stupid. <laughs> that's it, awesome. It, I really want to know if that's what they that's what their intention has was. to be. And if it wasn't, you just call it a fucking perfect little <laughs> note right there. But yeah. yeah, this song has lyrics of mm. like, uh, it's it's just so direct. I yeah. need her. I need her all if she were on my dinner plate. <laughs> I have the four written down. I have. I'm out of luck because the shades are pulled down. Right after supper, her brother showers twice a week. Her dad is big, and I never seen his face. I followed her all the way home, <laughs> and I was like, "What the fuck? <laughs> what the tom?" <laughs> he, he says, "I bet this last time's a one time too many. Yeah. The rush of waiting is burning through my head. Right after supper, her brother showers twice a week." He kicks my ass so much. The filthy white inbred. <laughs> That's the, the, the white. And there's a lot of play on words too. Like the white inbred shit. I know this is like later on, like Princess Leia and Lane, you know, like just mm-hmm. a lot of wordplay in there. A lot of clever writing and shit like that. Yeah. yeah you got a uh, friend of me, Brian. Step oh in. yeah. Brian. What's up, Brian? What you wear to the people? Hi, just finished uh, closing. Just finished closing. <laughs> For the man, man. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, after, um, after this song, before that, like with Dismiss, right? It's the next song I have. The, I have uh, Damn It is the next Damn one. Damn It, there we go. My oops. <laughs> I wrote, to me, this song is when the album begins. The other two songs were appetizers. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, I mean, Damn It, like like I mentioned before, Bob is song. definitely like uh, their like their top tr- track that came out of this album. Yeah. Like, this is the song that they play as an encore now. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they everyone like from the community loves this song. Nice. Nah, it's um, a good one. I mean, it's an automatic banger, you know? Yeah. And I wrote, and, Imagine This Was a Big Hit for them. So, of course, yeah. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, I like it has it has such fun lyrics and Mark sings the whole one. Mm-hmm. I think a, another thing about this album is that the mix between uh, like I think there's a healthy mix between songs that are sung by Mark and songs yeah. that are sung by uh, Tom. And then both of them, even yeah, like, there is there is definitely that because mm-hmm. uh, this one is completely sung by Mark. But what is interesting when they play it live, Tom uh, sings a chorus. I wonder why. Uh, I I guess he just wants to sing for this one. Probably he's <laughs> like yeah, I want to be involved. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it has such fun uh, lyrics, and the music video to it is also great. If you haven't seen it, mm-hmm. it's it's a uh, him going to the movies with his friends and stuff, and like his ex or whatever shows up with another guy, and it's yeah. just a nice little thing. It's, yeah, it's that has happened to me before. I was, I, I, yeah, that's I why I want you, to right? show you the music oh, video. Okay, cool, nice. I was gonna tell sorry, but fuck, you already know. Watch <laughs> the old episodes to find out what happened. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, when I saw the music video, I was like, oh, that's crazy. <laughs> At the end of it, like to sum it up, I wrote like, well, we don't have to because of the lyrics, but I wrote, seems like he lost his girl, but at a younger age or just the hardships of life and accepting them with age and through music. But I wrote a strong song because mm-hmm. in some sense it kind of is. But again, it, it comes with the silliness and stuff like that. But but I see it right here, like, we'll see you with a movie sneak preview. You'll show up and walk on the arm of that guy and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I was like, I feels, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And the song has their iconic line. Well, I guess this is growing Ma- up. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think it's a master plan. But yeah. Like it. It's it's kind of one of those things that has like become just something that people say. Mm. Well, I guess this is growing up. Like I I would imagine something you've probably heard somewhere no. before, and just kind of like yeah, facts, <laughs> and just <laughs> no, not really just, knowing that like it probably came from this song. Oh shit! Okay, so it just comes on to it's like they kind of set that trend for that phrase, even though it's a common phrase and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, but it's it's attached to Blink One Eighty Two. Because I something similar like that happened with Josh again. Um, because like since he doesn't really listen to Blink or anything, uh. In in their album uh, Enema of the State, they have a song called "What's My Age Again," mm-hmm. and the chorus is "Say Nobody Likes You When You're 23." Okay. When Josh and I used to work <laughs> at Ben funny. and Jerry's together, yeah, uh, someone ordered a cake and they wanted that written on the cake, 
and I was so hype. And I was oh, like, so you know what the reference was too? Yeah, like, I was right? like, dude, this is awesome. I'm gonna make them a blank cake and this and that. Yeah. And Josh is like, but you don't even know if it's about blank. I was like, like, oh, you definitely know it's about. Blank. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> and he was like, yeah. I I just feel like that's the thing people say. I'm like, they say that because of this. It was like a, it was like a Peppa Pig pig cake, <laughs> and you're like, nah, I'm blanking it too. And the kids are like, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> I, I called them and they didn't answer. Damn. But, and then I found out that the cake was a week old and someone just left it on the board. And I was like, God damn, damn. it. Broke my heart. It was a cake for you. It was a cake, a cake for, for me. You. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. They say that though, right? Like, I think I've heard, I, maybe it's because of Blink-182, but it's like nobody likes you when you're 23 or like 25 or some shit. I'm pretty sure it's 23 that I've heard before. So yeah, that's kind of crazy, I, actually. Because I literally spent almost an hour trying to search this online after Josh was questioning me about it. Yeah. Of like, what what does this originate from? Uh, and everything says leads that, it, back that, to it, that it comes from Blink. That's crazy because I heard about that a long time ago. And that Wow. <laughs> awesome. But after damning, we get to boring, yeah, which is a, a quick song. Very quick song. I, I wrote here like quick song, but just rock out to this one right here. But my favorite lyric is uh, misplace your values. Forgot the importance of being right. Don't sit there. Act humble. I heard your story a thousand times. And mm. I've always I've always been curious when he says in the chorus, no trust. All I got is lies. Mm. Is like, is that him saying that like he has lies or does the other person have lies? Mm. I think that's what that's the that maybe that's what it happens when there's lack of trust in general. Like who's lying, who's telling the truth, like who trusts who. I mean, I don't know, but I could. That's my interpretation. Like, mm. when there's no trust, you know, everything's a lie. You know, yeah. and it could be you or the recipient. You know, but you know, I I did like the guitar solo and the and I wrote the drums go hard, <laughs> and then uh, I wrote the kissing noises make sense at the end with dick lips being the next song. I was like, what the horse? What the fuck? And I wrote ha ha ha. <laughs> Is it a horse? Or, I thought it was. Or do you or, think it's a cow? It could be a cow. That would make more sense. It sounded more like a neigh, though. Because like I, I, I've always uh, connected that to sort of the cover and stuff. Yeah. Of dude ranch and whatever. That and makes more sense. But this is horses on ranches, you know. No, nope. true. You know true. what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, we get to dick lips, which is what I wanted to bring up earlier when we mentioned bee holes, and then you mentioned your mom. <laughs> right here it says dick lips, and, and the first lyric is "Please, mom, <laughs> you brought me all the time." And I was like, "What the fuck is happening right now?" <laughs> but know? uh. This song is pretty interesting because I think um, lyric because people have always said between Mark and Tom that Mark yeah. has more poetic lyrics while yeah. Tom has more direct lyrics. And this is Tom, right? Yes. Okay. And uh, this song is just really about that feeling where you just keep getting in trouble and your parents like yeah. make you feel shitty about it. Mm -hmm. I know I like one lyric here that I thought was kind of deep and like a personal when it says like uh, I know I've seen you. Oh, he says shit, Dad, please don't kick my ass. I've no idea I see you trash at least one time. And I'm like, damn, that's pretty crazy because, again, I don't think that was intended to be so deep, but it is. You know, like people who grow up with fathers that drew drink and set that precedent, you know, and it's just like, it's kind of jokingly, but it's all, you know, because then later he's like, can I blame it on my dumb friends? It's been a while since I've used that one, uh, that line. But it's, uh, I think it's a pretty important, like, you know, piece of lyricism right there, honestly speaking. That's relatable once again. No. Yeah, and even with the chorus where he says, nothing to lose, a boy who went out when he finished all his chores, nothing to do, they can't trust me because I blew it once before. Yeah. It... I it's like you fuck up and nobody gonna think have faith in you again. Yeah, shit. it's like losing complete trust in your parents. Yeah. And Tom DeLong has had a complicated relationship with his parents. Oh, sure. Um they his parents got divorced when he was uh, in in high school and it oh, really no. fucked them up. Damn. Um they have a song in their fourth album, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, called uh Stay Together for the Kids. Oh uh, shit. Which I is, think I've heard that title before actually. Yeah, so. that song is directly about like Tom's parents' mm. divorce and stuff like that. So like they, I think this is kind of one of the first instances in mm -hmm. their career or or in their music where Tom kind of 
sheds a bit of light into his like upbringing maybe got you i, I really hear song is great feel like the title sound and lyrics at least to me show this band's essence and to have fun with this music not to undermine it like not to undermine it in sense of have fun with it like you know mm-hmm. still appreciate it but just don't like you know put it down and shit yeah because like comparatively to the other songs on this album dick lips actually is kind of slower yeah until until it, it picks up a by the solo and stuff mm-hmm. but um just sort of almost like i guess you could say country like sound to it the yeah like it i think kind of speaks again to the dude ranch like theme which is just interesting hold on for the next song waggy i have to listen to the beginning real quick because hold on because i wanted to like it, it goes like <laughs> I really like that shit. To me, that was a cool little intro. I had to. I put my nose, listen to it. So it goes. Like it's just so dope. And I like that sound a lot. And whatever, right here. Yeah. So it sounded like for the mic the first eighteen seconds because I thought it was a cool intro. Yeah, the the intro is really great. I also love the opening line: "Watching your house shrink away in my rearview mirror as I drive away." Yeah. It's like it again. Mark is just so poetic. Like, yeah, I mean, he, even continuing wishing that I could take back all the words that meant nothing that I didn't say. I'm trying to be what you want me to be, but it's so damn hard to keep playing the part of the fool week after week. Like it, they do get like deeper and stuff like that, and and, and it's crazy. And um, I mean, the lyrics that I have pinpointed for this one in terms of underline, I wrote, "Is this all going to be just another time that we played this game? I tried to convince you that things could be different, but somehow they end up the same." And he writes, I don't want to live this lie again. I know I get it right, but I don't know when. Like, just, you know, like, ominous, you know, things that really point to the direction of any human being living life, you know? Yeah, and I and I love the lines that he says right after that. Mm-hmm. I'll open my eyes. I've got something inside. I'll just jack off in my room <laughs> until then. I just noticed that. Shit. That's <laughs> fucking funny. <laughs> I, I've always loved that line. Uh-huh. Because it, it just speaks to that pubescent things like I'm just gonna jerk yeah. off until I fucking figure this shit. I'm gonna do some deep shit and then I'm gonna just fucking also, <laughs> you know, yeah, man. Fucking, uh, I wrote song is dope and relatable in a lot of ways to many situations. Also, just very much like the other guys, so much more. What? Oh, no. oh, there we go. I said I, I, basically I'm saying that I like Tom's voice better and that this would have been my favorite song if Tom sang it instead. Damn, that's that's what I wrote here exactly. I just love Mark's like like bass voice yeah, yeah. like it's it's so low i mm. i just love it. it tom's voice is crazy though <laughs> his voice has changed over the years he does not sound like how i believe he, it how he, he even to. with the live performance didn't sound like him like even recorded and stuff mm-hmm. i was like this is a way different sound still a good song but how does he sound now like just older yeah. i can't even like replicate it like mm. i'll show you at, right. after the show nice but um we get on to Enthused. I love this song. This used to be one of my favorite songs to play on guitar for a while. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the definition of Enthused uh, is say something that expresses one's eager enjoyment, interest, or approval. This I, I want to put. I know it's like enthusiastic and shit like that, but for the listeners. Yeah, I, I've i always loved the lyrics to this song. Yeah. I've um, always loved the guitar to this song. Mm-hmm. Um the the verse opens up with well it, it has that like really great ver- uh, guitar verse before mm. the lyrics open up yeah. just like which is i like that they do that to the short songs that they add to the music part actually instead yeah like, it's singing. like there's a lot of instrumental sections mm-hmm. and stuff like that that i think is crucial but uh the open yeah. opening verses am i strung out crazy or not allowed to be the one who gets stupid over you yeah lazy laid back maybe you're just on crack why am i the one who gets fucked up and confused yeah man 
And it, it, I just love those lines, yeah. man. They're so good. Yeah, same. I, I have them underlined here. And for me, the one that was like, is the, she doesn't care at all. She doesn't care about the times that we never share at all. And I was yeah. like, ooh, <laughs> shit, that shit hurts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's dope. I mean, it's, it's dope because it's like, again, they're deep, debatable, and then just, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like them a lot. And it's, again, simple, sweet song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I love the way he sings. And I swear I'll act enthused mm-hmm. and just comes back to the guitar and stuff. Yeah, so good. But uh, we get to your favorite song. Bro, my favorite <laughs> fucking song. How does it go again? Like the beginning? Because I forget it. Dun, 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 yeah. dun. And how does it sing I think of a while ago We might have had it all I was so stupid then You needed time to grow Yeah bro the fucking I love that shit man Cause it's so catchy But even Even uh, Like even to say that Like I think of a while ago We might have had it all I was so stupid then Like that's kind of crazy To say somebody You know what I'm trying to say Like oh yeah You know we can have the world And you think back about it Like oh nah I was just <laughs> dumb You know but like in a moment Like people get fucking married When they're like 21 Cause they're like Oh let's live our lives together Then they turn 27 They're like oh this sucks ass <laughs> You know 27 they're prime 27 is their prime <laughs> Yeah And that, that's why I write uh, You make me regret Those times I spent with you You know And I'm like And, and, and one lyric that was pretty dope is uh you have your other friends that they were there when you cried didn't mean to hurt you then best friends just don't leave your side and that you know correlates to the whole uh part of growing up mm-hmm. so for me like the, i have a lot of notes here not crazy but i wrote like damn this song made me emotion that has got water eyed because i did <laughs> uh i wrote favorite song hands down i wrote first two verses of strong as fucking awesome i wrote i love this song uh they have a cool little format again to the melody to the you know to the thing and blah 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 and at the end, I wrote uh, the cheering at the end of the song is fucking hilarious. Uh, yeah, he writes, and when, when people are like, ah, and he's like, "What? It'll clear up, I promise. I got some ointment for it. It's not infectious. The doctor says it'll clear up in a week." I was like, "What the fuck? Is that what the apple shampoo is? Would you say I, in the next song?" I don't know, but you know what? It's funny. funny. Like, uh, I don't know if you caught it. Like one of the girls screaming is uh, just Mark screaming. I fucking like it's I just him that. screaming in like a high pitched voice, uh, and like when they're sighing, he's like, "Oh." <laughs> I thought the side was a more relief that the shit would clear up. That's I didn't know that. That's fucking funny. Yeah, that that mm. that shit is so funny. That song me. is fucking awesome. <laughs> my I honestly mm. we're now to my favorite song. Oh, Apple Shampoo. Hey, Apple Shampoo. Slime caught it. Slime caught the song, bro. It's <laughs> crazy. Yo, Brian, we call John Slime uh, now. Slime, no, Slime. Sorry. Yeah, call, call him Slime. slime. Call him Slime. Call him Slime. Our CFO Slime. <laughs> CFO Slime. Slime. No, just call him Slime. Call him, call <laughs> call him Slime now Hey Slime What's up Slime? Slime Watch bro <laughs> right, Get out of here Brian <laughs> So we get to your favorite song Apple Shampoo I I It just opens so loud Yeah And I again I love Mark singing And stuff like that mm-hmm. It opens so great Where he just sings She didn't mean to Deceive you Believe me but sometimes the hardest part is conceiving mm-hmm. the good intentions that you had not only came to this. And although she saw the mark, the arrow missed. It's so good. Yeah, man. And uh, I, I like the line. She's so important. <laughs> and I'm so retarded. <laughs> I love that line, bro. That's fucking awesome. And, I, and, I, and you know, and I know just where I stand, a boy trapped in the body of a man. I feel like a lot of people are like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think in general, all people are like that. We're just kids that are just bigger. You know what I mean? I know we have more sense of mind and responsibility, but, you know, we're all just dumbasses. 
You know? Yeah, I, I love the lines. Both getting tired of punk rock clubs and both playing in yeah. punk rock bands to start with something good, but some good thing, some good things must end. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if this song was about like a girl or like somebody he performed with or something like that. I don't know. Well, something that yeah. I have found before in the past is mm-hmm. that, uh, uh, which is really interesting, is that uh, Mark had this girlfriend that he used to live with um, mm-hmm. back in California that um, broke up with him because uh, he bought a bass amp one day with like the rent money. Oh <laughs> shit, that's crazy. So that's, I, I, I did not expect that. I don't know if maybe like a song like this mm-hmm. is directed towards her or something Oof. like that. But yeah, Oof. I mean, that's tough. He was just all about the music? Uh, about the music, man. He said, "I know what I'm doing, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what I'm doing, bitch." I, <laughs> I wrote this song is super sweet in a very Blink One Eighty Two way. Mm-hmm. You know, I I just love the lyrics to this song, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of them. I captured a little bit of them, but there was a, this is a longer song. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I, when he says, and now I realize I should have kissed you in LA, mm-hmm. but I drove home all alone as if I had a choice anyway. Yeah, man, that's dope. Kind of like this hopeless kind of uh, scenario of things. But uh, so good. sometimes you got to take chances, like that rent money. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> uh, uh, and even here, right here, where he says, if you're feeling scared, remember the time we shared. You know it meant everything. You know that it meant everything to me. Like, again, that, that goes back to the whole, like, simplistic romantic side of things, you know, because, like, I mean, at the end of the day, you can capture whatever you want to say or hear in, in a very eloquent and beautifully romanticized manner. But the simplest things are always going to be the most forward and, like, real life things to say. Mm-hmm. And when he says, uh, you know, that it meant everything to me, like, you don't just say that by anything. Yeah. You know, like, that's very, very special to a person. So I think that's dope. And I, I really like lyrics like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just fucking dope song. Yeah, it's my man. favorite. Nice. But uh, we get to emo. Um, mm-hmm. badass I think, drums to begin. Oh yeah, badass drums to get <laughs> off. Uh, I think emo is probably my least favorite on the album. Got you. I, I like some of the lyrics there. I, I do like when they say she's better off sleeping on the floor. I mm-hmm. don't like that they say because she fell right off the bed. You know, I like at the end when they repeat it and they interchange. Mm-hmm. But I like like imagine like because because here I'm pretty sure they're talking about like somebody who's with somebody who doesn't appreciate them. In my opinion, because uh. Because it says like you you'll you'll never listen to anything. No, it says, um, I don't know. Whatever whatever put down is that it's okay to just want more. And why leave when you claim it, it is love? But why stay when you're not the only one? She proves she's strong. Be brave. Be strong. And then you say she's better off sleeping on the floor. So like imagine like being in a relationship with somebody. You guys are both in bed and, and like the lyrics to be like she's better off sleeping on the floor. Like that's kind of crazy. <laughs> but when it, when they wrote she fell off, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I was like, quite literally, like she fell off the bed. So I, I didn't kind of understand this song. Yeah, I I don't know. This song has always been my least favorite in the album. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't have much to say on it, to be honest. Okay. Uh, I mean, you you bring in that sort of perspective of like, mm-hmm. I guess, a failing relationship. I yeah. mean, you do have lines of, nah, I don't care. He's such a dick. Yeah. Treats you like, a, like you're a stupid whore. Mm-hmm. It seems like things will never change. You go on. Every cloud is in your way. And I know you, you feel empty all the time. You'll never listen to anything that I say. Yeah, like somebody, like and and for me, one thing I think of right here, but I always say like people that are in relationships or in love, they are the worst people to give advice to because they will reject that advice all the time. I think so. Like they will always find a way to not convince themselves of what the truth is, you know? Yeah. Mm. I I mean, you got anything else to say about email? Nah. That's <laughs> a Josie. Number 11. I, uh, I this is a you, sweet song too. Showed you the music video to this song. Yeah. Really funny. Um, I I love that music video. Yeah, man. But uh, Josie, such a great song. Yeah, man. It's uh probably their most second uh top song from this album. Okay. Uh, before Damn It. Uh, but there are just some great lines in this. Yeah, and man. It's sung com- uh, not completely by Mark. You have Tom come in uh, in hey. the chorus a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
<laughs> the lines are so good. Yeah, yeah my girlfriend takes me home when I'm too drunk to drive, and she doesn't get all just when I hang out with the guys. Yeah, she laughs at my dumb jokes when no one does. She brings me Mexican food from Sabrero just because. Just because, and I like the, the lyrics are good, but I like the lyric when, he, when she says, "When he says, I don't think she needs me." And he writes, um, I show up at 3 a.m. and she's still up watching vacation and I see her pretty face. It takes me away to a better place and everything's going to be fine, you know. And um, and, the, and then again, the sitting this when he says, and it doesn't seem to matter that I'm lacking the, the bulge. bulge. <laughs> yeah, <I'm> like <laughs> that's fucking mad funny, man. But it's dope, man. And again, it's like the sweetness again with the silliness. And I wrote there's a lot of power and reasoning to repetition here and the precious song uh, for emo. What are there for emo? What the fuck? <laughs> Whoops. But oh, no. Uh, for emo and this song, I think the repetition does a lot for it. Because when they says, I know that everything, know that everything, know that everything is going to be all fine. I feel like there's a reason for repeating these lines over and over and over again. You know, because like, you, you, you want to get that message across. Yeah, man. And you ever meet somebody who's in a bad situation and they just be like, oh, everything's going to be okay. And there's John Lennon quote, like, uh, at the end of the day, everything will be okay. And if it's not okay, it's not over. You know, it's not the end. And that's a, mm-hmm. that's a dope quote. Yeah. Uh, live I, by that shit. I, um... I like when he says, yeah, my girlfriend takes collect calls from the road. Oh, yeah. Also just speaks to the times, which is funny. Yeah, man. But the boat shit is hilarious. Again, <laughs> uh, But yeah. And then, uh, yeah, we get to A New Hope. A New Hope. I love this song. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, this song, uh, the bridge part used to be so hard to play on guitar. I you got it down, though. I wonder why you like this song. They mentioned Princess Leia. <laughs> for, for the lyrics, I've got her in my head at night when I go to bed. And I know it sounds lame. But she's the girl of my dreams. I just wrote modern romanticism, you mm-hmm. know, like pretty much this is this whole song kind of sums up a modern version, a very Blink-182 version of, you know, romance. And mm-hmm. it's like the article said, like these guys always wrote music about pining over girls yeah. and stuff like that. Um, they work for them. They they have a quote uh, where they say, um, are we going to make a song about dicks or are we going to make a song about growing up in a scary world? <laughs> and that's usually their like process when they make a new song. <laughs> what a range. <laughs> There's a lot of references here. I just see Han, Princess Leia, and yeah, Moons I mean, of Endor. I mean, the yeah. whole thing is a Star Wars song, pretty much. I yeah. mean, you got to think. A New Hope, Star Wars, A New Hope. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, a New Hope that it fucking blew across my mind completely. <laughs> I like the, again, I said it earlier, but the play on words with Princess Leia and Lei Ying. Like, mm-hmm. that was just uh, perfect. And the outro was great. Uh, jamming out right there. And, and he writes, every night I fall asleep with you and I wake up alone. And that was like, damn, that caught me off guard. I was like, damn, my feels. <laughs> that shit was yeah, crazy. Yeah, because like, uh, I've never felt this way about Carrie Fisher and Princess no. Leia and whatever, but I understand that like back then, like people pe- loved her, right? People loved Carrie I, Fisher I as imagine. Princess Leia. They were like, that's the girl of my dreams. Yeah, she looked all right. <laughs> she was, <laughs> like, she's, she's iconic, you know what I mean? But she's Especially right. her in Return of the Jedi when she's wearing that bikini outfit. Like, no, i never seen they, it. There's like that whole joke from Friends when Ross gets Rachel to dress up in it and shit. <laughs> Oh, I do remember that. <laughs> so could you? Uh, but I love the Star Wars references. Yeah. I'd even walk naked through the deserts of Tatooine. Uh, what else does he say? He says, uh, even, even though I'm not as cool as Han, I still want to be your man. Yeah. You're exactly the kind of uh, all Iranian that I need. Yeah, man. But when you were available, I was drinking Colt 45s of Lando. Colt 45 and two zigzags. <laughs> Baby, that's all I need. <laughs> I was hanging out in the cantina on Moss Eisley. That rhymed it. Rhymed. Oh, shit. Yeah. Nice. But yeah, it, mm. it, I love this song. It really is just kind of like having that girl of your dreams, like the girl next door type yeah. shit. Fucking calling somebody a princess, you know, that shit's serious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. But Degenerate, the next song, that's my second favorite song, bro. Again, just for the same thing, the, 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 like the melodicness of the fucking beginning of it, you know? 
And oh. I think the song also again speaks to sort of the cowboy like yeah. thing, like dude ranch. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. They're speaking oh. about being in a fucking next to cow, cow tipping and stuff like that. How does this song go? The generate the beginning. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. How's this sound, Larry? Cross the street, naked at night, bent over this to show some, some moonlight. There we go. Yeah. Pull out some beer and I gulped it down. Yeah, man. Shit like that is so catchy, bro. So fucking catchy. And fucking right. yeah. It just it's a fucking wild story of fucking scenario. This song is offensive. Yeah. <laughs> oh, because the gay thing and everything. I I mean I didn't even think that. And then just bend like, over. <laughs> yeah, I mean this song like I Tom DeLong used to love making gay jokes and oh, stuff okay, like nice. that. Um and this uh-huh. is just like a prime example <laughs> of that. All right. Um I mean they both used to love making gay jokes. Time, time, um uh, time period. Uh, one of their songs that they mm. used to play live, uh, uh, "Aliens Exist." Um, mm. The song ends, uh, uh, twelve something lies, and Mark will echo that with, "And Tom has sex with guys." <laughs> <laughs> so they they always make jokes like that on nice. stage. Now, nah, but yeah, but and definitely again the contrast with it. With the beginning is like then nah, nah, and then the next is like don't like don't like you know it just goes hard in the in the sections of it. So that's dope. Yeah, the the chorus, uh, don't mm. like hash, don't like rap, kick old Sally cause she's fat, I'm a jerk, I'm a punk, took a shower cause I stunk, smoke a bong, kill the cat, had my nuts attacked by rats, dad got nude, I wore a thong, for a hobby I make bombs. <laughs> and then it goes, went to a farm, <laughs> just fucking <laughs> mad calm and everything. But yeah, I love this song, I think it's fucking awesome, and again, second favorite song right here. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it, it. I actually didn't used to like this song too much at first, oh. um, but at, like just throughout the years, it just grew on me more yeah, and man. more. It's a goodie. The title's still the shit, though. Now, Lemmings yeah. is my second favorite song. And the definition of Lemmings is an animal, either a small, a small, short-tailed, thickest rodent related to the voles found in the Arctic tundra, or a person who unthinkingly joins a mass movement, especially a headlong rush to destruction. Uh, example, the flailings of the lemmings in Wall Street. Just a little, you know. Uh, like, what the fuck is a lemming? yeah <laughs> i yeah I, I definitely have searched that up before in the past like because mm. of this song but um i think this song just again speaks to the poeticness of mark hoppus's yeah. lyricism um it it and i love the guitar the down 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 and the and, growing up part of it too like yeah just the, the, la familia is dead and gone the children grew up and moved on and mm. this song is kind of that idea of i i guess of like losing a friend yeah. that used to be really close to you mm. and, and also like keeping friends like the, I'll say this, like the ending, it says like, uh, you're going to drown in the mess you make yourself inflicted hate. You turn your back on the friends you lose when they don't follow the rules. And, but people are what they want to be. They're not lemmings to the sea. And this shit was crazy. This, this is the rhyme. I was going to say this shit is crazy to me that rhymes. <laughs> but these two lyrics were, maybe it's time that you looked at yourself and stop blaming life on someone else. And I was like, damn. Bro, yeah. The like, outro to this song mm-hmm. is, are like some of my favorite lyrics from this album. Yeah, man. They're, they're really, really hard. And, and uh, and again with the growing up part, I'm, it's a lot of lyrics. But I wrote, "Laughing at the bands we hate, all the spots we used to skate, they're still there, but we've gone our own ways." I know it's best. I know it's for the best. But sometimes I wonder, will I ever have friends like you again? And that shit hurt my heart. I was like, "Oh shit!" Like, yeah, my time flies. And um, even like friends that have passed on and stuff. Like you said, you're losing a friend and stuff like that. Like it doesn't have to be like friends you lost because of disagreed mindsets. It really just could be like life. Just you know, mm. said like it's over. There's a there's actually a song that's similar to Lemmings. Um, mm-hmm. in 
the the first album of Matt Skiba, uh, what that album's called California, mm-hmm. um, and they have a song on it, on it called San Diego, which is where Mark and Tom are from, and, uh, are from. Mm-hmm. and uh, and that song deals a lot of like losing the people from San Diego. Oh, sure. And I actually watched an interview where um they were talking about that song, and that apparently that song was really contended to be and like to be in the album. Like, oh, sure. Like Matt Skiba really wanted it to be in the album, but there was a lot of like back and forth of like if they should put in the album. Album. Mm. And the whole time Matt Skip is saying this, Mark is just like silent. Oh, just really? Like, just like letting Matt talk. And it's kind of like, I, yeah, I, I, I really think it's like Mark didn't want that song in the oh, album. I gotcha. really, I really think that song is just like too emotional for him or something like mm, that. Gotcha. Or just like, I, I don't know. It, it, I just thought that was so interesting. And yeah. I, it, like losing friends and stuff like that. Yeah, and that, that, that's hard. It's hard to talk about. Especially like a close one. Like, you know, that should just make me tough. It's pretty much a sum of what I said, but in my notes, I wrote, song seems just real and blunt about life choices and how to accept situations, especially those in regards to friends that you may have even pushed away or lost naturally. So, yeah, that definitely came across for me when I was into the song. And it sucks. That, that shit must sucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get to the final track. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I love that part. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the lyrics aren't too crazy they're mm-hmm. very straightforward which again speaks to tom's directness yeah. and his lyricism he's and not very poetic i guess it also seemed like a perfect outro song like it seems like he's saying goodbye to the listeners too mm-hmm. like that's what i hear like i know like when it's like uh don't bide your time because it's almost over and i know it hurts but you're just getting older like you know just and it, the, the tone of it because he speeds it up later on but it really just sounds like oh you're, it's like it's like you know in kids shows where they're like all right we have to go now <laughs> you know that's that's pretty much what i felt with this i didn't, shit, e- I didn't even think about yeah, that it's man. pretty good mm-hmm. Yeah, no. I I mean some of the lyrics are pretty good in this. Um mm-hmm. just yesterday it always seemed like such a dream. We're unstoppable, indestructible, nothing happens to our machine. Yeah. And there's no harm, at least something we can see. As for you, not so true. You couldn't choose where his road would lead. Yeah, man. It, pretty good. Yeah. All right, like that that it's so hard you gotta get up on your feet because the only way I gotta say is to move on through this week. Again, very simple. But just, you know, I, I feel like I don't know what the song is about, but to me it's like sounds like he's talking to the fans again. Like this is like this is the fans music and and again like some people really rely on music like you know some people like this is again it's it, it's hiddenly a really strong album in terms of lyricism and messages and some of the songs and all that stuff i saw the stalking one <laughs> and like this, this you know 15 song album could be somebody's escape you know then they gotta go back like i think about mr miracle with the kid having a, no not mr miracle a sandman mm. with the kid having a dream and then his dream is basically just his happiness place where he gets to help superheroes. And then, like, and during the dream, he lets out a cage of gerbils and the, and the, the Superman, Superwoman, not like the characters, but the heroes. They're like, oh, no, you've let out the gerbils. And they start nibbling him in the dream. And then he wakes up to the basement being chewed on by a rat <laughs> where he's kept down there, you know, imprisoned by this, you know, people that are just using him for the weekly, like, checks and everything. And that shit is sad, bro, because he's a little kid. Salmon yeah. is crazy, bro. <laughs> Salmon is fucking crazy. It is. <laughs> yeah, man, that shit gets wild. Uh, but I like that story a lot because it really speaks a lot to people who are in those, in those scenarios, like just in all over the world, you know, mm-hmm. even in America. Yeah, bro. Yeah. I mean, I really like the bridge when Mark is just saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, sorry, I'm, sorry, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, bro. And Tom comes in. This happened to you. Yeah, man. It's just, it's good. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's a really good outro to the song, and I, I was curious if mm-hmm. you listened to this, um, if if it was in because you have a uh, Google yeah. like music, I, I right? use YouTube music, but it was the YouTube fade out music. with the with the amp, right? Like, Did, was there a little thing at the end where uh, Mark starts peeing? Oh fuck! I, I, I know I listened to the full through with my first listen, but I don't think I paid enough attention. But maybe there wasn't. 
I could listen to Cause, it because uh, I like it. This actually happened very recently. Where on Spotify they added that back. Oh, that, they took it off. Yeah, it it was like missing from the album like for a while, and I was like, "What the fuck? It's so weird!" And probably like, like, "Oh, it's so offensive to people who can't pee." <laughs> All right, so I'm putting it right now. I want the mic to get up because of the fucking hibernation. <laughs> but I'm listening to it right now. I'm hearing the beep beep. We'll see. But any reason as to why I took it off, or just because of that problem? Oh, they took it off. It's not wow, that's crazy. Yeah, fucking I, scumbags. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna show you because it's on Spotify. Nice. We, we can we can uh, edit this out. And that's it. That's so silly. That's fucking funny. That dogs do your shit, man. Dogs. There was a YouTube video. I don't know if this was fake or not. These this YouTubers used to do this. They used to say that a controversy happened with them and YouTube and YouTube took their video down. And they would then put up another channel and they'd be like, go follow my other channel where I'm going to have raw video and, you know, video that's going to go against that goes against YouTube's guidelines. But it was really just a scheme to just get more followers on a different channel. Hmm. Like, you know, here's my badass channel because I can't put badass stuff on this one. And they would follow both. profit. Yeah, I heard about that. But the reason he got kicked off is because he pissed into a toilet or fake pissed. Like he just put the camera downwards to the toilet and put a water bottle. And he was like, yeah, YouTube removed my video, man. And then I heard he was just fucking around with people. So I was like, you piece of shit. Yeah, I watched that a long time ago. I don't know why I remember that. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, that's yeah. a little skit. It's just him peeing. I wish they kept it in there, man. That sucks. That's funny. That's yeah, fucking it, funny. That's, that's the kind of humor yeah. they made. That's they, like paint a picture with sound. You know? <laughs> that's awesome. And uh, In their first album, they ended with a little skit, too. Um, I've said it before on the show as a reference, but uh, mm. they they're... The the whole the last song on their album is about just about done with your butt, <laughs> and um, they just about done with your butt. It happens, and uh, uh-huh. there's like a little moment where they throw something and you just hear like a massive tumble, like yeah. <laughs> it's the, it's the, <laughs> and Marco's who threw the dick down the stairs, <laughs> and it's just really funny. It's a good impression. <laughs> Wait, I mean, I, I'm I'm Team Tom. <laughs> I'm Team Tumbling with A too. Uh, that sucks that his voice is different now, but nah, I definitely pictured his live voice to his you know studio voice again very different i mean very similar i thought they're gonna be the same but they're very different in person or tv or whatever but i'm um, still still a good ass album man still a good ass album i'm happy to go listen to it and happy i took time to sit down and listen to it the whole way through because it really is a good one like a goodie you know what yeah. i'm trying to say and again a, a little walk back into time if it was a punk rock and uh like now when i listen even like listening to mom jeans and, and prince daddy like it just makes me appreciate that more because there's levels to these things and this influence to be, you know, looked for because mm. it's crucial, you know. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I said it when we did the Mom Jeans episode, but their latest album is definitely Blink-182 inspired and stuff. It's awesome. So it's just these guys are have such a, a foot in, yeah. in the industry. In history. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. That's crazy when you could do some shit like that, man. Yeah, man, um, I'm, I was really happy to to finally show you this album. Finally, show you some Blink One Eighty Two. Get little, you cultured. <laughs> put the album right there for the whole fucking thing. And yeah, I thought you would have this on vinyl and shit like that too. I imagine you'd have all yeah, of them. Nah, yeah. they don't actually have a lot of their uh, albums on on, really? on vinyl. Um, Interesting. They have a box set. If anyone ever wants to buy me this. <laughs> Of like their first like eight albums. RCFO it, got you. It, RCFO got you right that now. That box set is like eight hundred dollars. <laughs> so, he had you, <laughs> and then he found out the price, bitch. So if anyone wants yeah. to buy me the Blink One Eighty Two box set, <laughs> that's crazy. I would love that. It's a little, it's a little money. It's a little. Expensive. <laughs> it's crazy. But yeah, man. I mean, before we let you guys go. Oh yeah, yeah. We uh we got the socials. We didn't we didn't talk about that when we opened that episode. That's what, that's our, what our CFO yeah, brought that he up. Was like, oh, our CFO slime. CFO slime. CFO slime. Bathroom break. They got a whole pep talk. <laughs> We're getting better because of slime over here. 
Slime motivates me to be a better version of myself. Honestly, yeah. Before his name was Jonathan Nah, but now that his name is Slime, you gotta take him a little more serious. Yeah, before I was yeah. like Scooge. Eh. Yeah, you know. Eh. Like, slime? slime? What? Especially when you had CFO. Yeah, CFO Slime. What, bro? Mama Slime called earlier. That was <laughs> and Poppy Slime is gonna call later. That's, like, that's crazy, Ooh, bro. Poppy Slime scares me. Poppy Slime. Poppy Slime. You don't want to fuck with Poppy Slime. You get the bull. You get the slime. <laughs> you fuck with the bull. You get the slime. Hey yo. <laughs> uh, but yeah, our socials: Instagram, Earth Mind Matter Pod, mm-hmm, TikTok, mm-hmm. Earth Mind Matter Pod, and or YouTube. Earth Mind Matter, just one word, capitalize the E-M-M. What episodes and, have come up on the YouTube? Uh, 16, 15, fucking, I, I forget, Nirvana, <laughs> Summer City, uh, American Splendor coming soon, our comic book shop episode that we're going to heavily promote because that was fucking awesome, episode number 10. And then we have our Mom Jeans, Sweet Tooth album, and then Whiplash, and American History X, Miles. I mean, a, little, a lot of episodes now, actually. Nice. So we're getting on track with that shit, and they just take a shitload of time to, you know, fucking work on. So These episodes have been getting back on track. Look at us. Hey, Look hell us. yeah. yeah. <laughs> we don't miss shit no more, you know? <laughs> All CFO. thanks to CFO Slime. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and to wrap it up, to wrap it up, right? You know, what, what are we talking about today, Javi? I don't know. I don't know. You yeah. know, we, we talked about what's happening on Earth. Oh, yeah. yeah. And in our minds. And why it matters. And... That's the way the news goes. Yeah. AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> lick, 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 lick my balls. <laughs>